you for all your cooperation. By the way, do you have a mint? Perhaps some banaka? Asshole mio, oh, sada mia. It feels good to be sitting back behind this microphone this week. And we are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. What is going on, fellas? Not too much. On uh, on this week's show, in about 35 minutes, we're going to be talking to Chad. Mark Hieronymus. And in the next couple weeks, we have uh, a couple guests coming up. Uh, also, we're going to get into this week. Jay's going to do a little uh, deer hunting talk. Uh, he was getting pretty passionate before we uh, lit up the mics. And then Mark's got a little musky talk, and you can listen about Chad and I getting skunked today the way we went steelhead fishing. It felt like musky fishing. So, but in the next couple of weeks, we have another couple of guests coming up. Mark? Max Meyer and Michael McNaught. But tonight, but tonight, this show is brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. Also, we have Sims Fishing at simsfishing.com. Who else we got, Chad? We got some A-Rex hooks. Check them out at arexhooks.com. And... Might I say, Jason's getting good with this transition. You I like it. There's segue. That's the word I was looking for. Let you guys talk a little bit. Segwaying piff. into our plug. If, if You know how you get that little piff? That's what you get. I'll let you guys talk a little so, bit. So, Mark, what's, the, what's your website? Where can people go to check you out? Urbanflycompany.com. And still got a little bit of uh, Joel's Feathers left here. So, I think we got another batch coming through shortly. Keep posting on that. There's about six or eight saddles left. Check out Why Not Fishing and the app The Dock. Also, Yeti, built for the wild. Booyah, guys. That was smooth. I like it. It's like we haven't missed a beat. I felt like I missed last week because I came in for only like a third of the show. It was a little Tom Rosenbauer-ish at the beginning. That's what I heard. I uh, I haven't had a chance to check it out. Oh, 
my week has been so slow. I don't get to listen to podcasts during the week now because I'm so slow. I have to converse with my stupid coworkers. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I, you know, that's the only reason I haven't had a chance to listen to uh, last week's show. <clears throat> yeah, well, I thought it went. I thought it went <laughs> sorry, I was choking on my. We, we both coughed into the microphones. Choking on something. Uh, <laughs> thought it went pretty well, and uh, it was a great interview. Something we had a good said. time. Yeah, I know you missed a little bit, but we. Yeah, it was a good talk. Yeah, yeah, I was waiting it, on. I was waiting. I had to get on. Choking us. on some of that deer jerky we've been chewing on. Oh yeah, and deer flowing. It's good that, stuff. That time of year, it's definitely. Uh, we're sitting here. We just got to watch a beautiful sunset disappear at a far earlier hour than all the other days we've we've enjoyed this year. So, kind of sucks to lose a hour of light, but uh, with that, there's other opportunities to be had, right? Yeah, man. We uh, I know Jane. I. Had to or got the opportunity to wake up an hour later this morning to go steelhead fishing. Still got that extra hour of sleep and and felt good when you got up. Uh, I felt like a champ. I went to bed at like nine fifteen last night that's with a, one beer in me. That's grown up. That's why we didn't catch any fish today. <laughs> it's one hundred percent true. You should have been hungover. I should have been hungover. I wasn't hungover either. I woke up extra early. Well, hey, let, chip it. And, and then your second thing why you didn't catch fish is you didn't listen to me. So. There you go. That that would have helped you out to catch some fish. I know your dad would have at least stuck a few because he, he knows the ropes at these places he's been before. Well, Ricky Steelhead was struggling today. It was a tough day uh, for us. Yeah, no. As so soon we as only saw a few fish get caught, like, period. As soon as you called me and I talked to you and you told me what you were doing as your backup plan and I looked at the forecast. Oh, that was the backup was, of the backup of the backup. Yeah, I was like, I was like man, that's... Uh, yeah, that's not gonna happen. That's a that's a big no, and and you should just drive maybe fifteen more minutes for a far better opportunity. You know, yeah. sucks to drive, but oh. sucks to keep knocking on doors. But that's still a fishing some days up there. If you just imagine us not having these flow charts and things like that twenty years ago, like we you, used to do back yeah, in you, the day. You get to the parking lot, and Jason, what'd you do? You sleep a little more. Yeah, I'll see Rain. you guys in a little bit. It's raging. No, we'll just sleep here. Maybe I get better. You know what I used to do when that happened? Turn right around and go home and go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> man. Oh, a no, few I... days though, you know, you weren't driving back home right away, man. If I was in a car for another second, I hadn't slept from the night before drinking. Well, if, if you drove, <laughs> yeah, if you drove up there still a little buzzed from the night before, and you get to a parking lot, Every you're night. like, yeah, I'm not Every driving time. an hour home right now. I'm my ambition got me this far, and now I lost that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thought of catching some fish, dude. What a loser, right? You know, show up at, at Erie's at high sea level, like like crashing waves. Dude, I went and checked the lake out today. It was rough. Yeah, like, but them were probably baby waves compared to what we had. Uh, what was that? Three days ago, when I'm, that when I'm that sure. backside of that storm pushed through the whole northeast, got rain, and, and that was a huge storm. But them winds, wow! A buddy of mine, he sent me or he showed me a little video. This was a few weeks back. We had a, a heavy blowout day, big rain, and then the, the lake was still crazy. But there was no break wall where they went to the port in Conneaut. Like waves, it just looked like waves, regular waves. There was no break wall. Like you see the lighthouse sticking up, so. I couldn't, and it had to be way, way worse the other day when that happened. Yeah, man, I, I saw some pictures from the other day, but today you, they were they were about fours, four or five footers. I th- I would have said it bigger than that if you looked out there a little ways, right at the right at the shore though. For, so yeah. so all the bait shops on Erie, they'd have been like 
eh, one to threes, maybe. Mm-hmm. One to threes. I know the bait shop that we went to where I tried to purchase my Ohio license, he had he wanted nothing to do with it. He didn't want to sell me a license. And all he wanted to do was sit in uh sit in the back room and watch football. I can hear you. That's <laughs> yeah, one of those Sundays. Yeah, that guy don't ever want to sell anything. So he's like, Yeah, just get on get on your phone and buy it on your phone. It'll be fine. But yeah, great recommendation, <laughs> bud. Yeah, that's perfect for you. You should and then when you when you get to the, the citation and you're like, well the guy at the bait shop. Hey, you could just send this to him. Hey, drop that <laughs> off for me. Exactly. Just send this right up to Snug Harbor. So you got to go what's up? <laughs> oh, so we're dropping names now. Yeah. <laughs> yes we are. Well, here we'll we're gonna play the report here and then and then we'll play the report here in a in a moment for everybody, all oh, you still have guys out there. Get you an updated stream fishing yeah, report. I haven't heard that thing in years now. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. I got it saved under bait shop under my phone. Yeah, the one and only bait for, shop for shits and giggles. So, so speaking of a stream report, we went to a little creek that we used to have in our back pocket. You know, it. You mean we had it between our legs <laughs> yeah. and, and held on to it? Oh, we held it hard. Tight. Yeah, yeah. We must have lost it. It found yeah. a it found a younger, faster man. Because there were 40 cars. It's not a creek. fucking gangbang, not a younger, faster man. Yeah, that is, <laughs> it, was a, were, it was a Bukaki film. Yeah. <laughs> it was a line. They were just lined at the, like, just fishing one spot. I'm here for the gangbang. <laughs> what door's the, the, the stillhead oh, bang at? I gotta start looking shit up. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a, I don't know, man. What are you gonna do? What do you, what do you do when something that's, I feel, far too much pressure? What, I don't know. Yeah, but people find people find they find it gratifying to maybe catch those yeah. steelhead and little what rivers like that. Look at what we've done with muskie, and take ten to twenty fold amount of people. Look how much we sit on Google Maps and look at spots and find oh, areas. Yeah. You do the same thing with that, but you're gonna have how many more people that are gonna go look for steelhead than they will a muskie? True. Every every yinzer from Pittsburgh. Exactly. Y- yins from yins from up here. Yin's from up here. Well, no, what? but we're not from as south as you are. So they no. go on there, they Google Map, they find that, they stop there. Oh, then they tell somebody, and they tell somebody. Next yeah, thing you know, yeah, it's a group. It's, it's groups. Make... It comes in groups. That's Don't, how it yeah. happens. Don't you know there's a stellar game today? Yeah. <laughs> nah, the the thing is with that is it wasn't at noon. When 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 private spots aren't private anymore, this kind of was a private spot. Hello. What yeah. do, what do you got going here? Uh, I'm here for the gangbang. Gotcha. Okay. That's what we felt like today. We need to drop the name. No, no. No, Secret Creek. <laughs> no. But no. but it's definitely a secret. Nobody knows about it, so please don't don't go there. Yeah, I would definitely recommend to not go there, at least on weekends. It has Lake Run Brown Trout, so go ahead, everybody, pack the shores, line it up like Bert. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a shit? Bert. Yeah. Oh yeah, the more the more of you guys go there, I might get a spot on another one of those really famous. Big rivers they got over in PA. <laughs> they're they're huge, man. Oh, they're but they're only for huge that, fly fishermen. That, that famous Big River was packed full of people wanting to be famous too. It was first day. Oh, absolutely. First day that the clocks changed, so they had to Everyone go. Everyone else had their, their like extra hour sleep. Guides out there. Um, I saw. I think I saw one in Ohio. He might have just been a dad with his younger kid, though. I couldn't tell. Not a, I didn't see a lot of it, no. We Like I said, on the, the bigger river in PA, we only fished one hole, really. 
One, yeah. By the bridge? Section. Uh, down from the bridge. No, I'm just wondering, because I like bridge holes. I know you do. I can get in quick. Get in and get out. Be done. Like, there were, go get my coffee. Hold on. There were eight people under this bridge. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> few people. Nobody fishing from on top of it? I didn't see anyone dangling lines down off the road. Shit. That's pretty Beads, good, then. Early bead. There was an early be- bead. Bead bite? Yes, there was an early for bead you? bite. No, not for me. For the a guys couple guys down next the to river. me. They they caught a couple, and there was one guy next to my dad who caught one on a chartreuse. And did anybody throw mm-hmm. a white jig? I threw everything that looked like a white jig. I threw white like, death on a second threw line. a real white jig, like an actual jig. I threw said uh, to hell with it. I'm going to catch this. <laughs> you see fish catch I threw one. a white woolly no. bugger. Yeah, you guys said to what, the water actually stained a little up a little bit overnight? No, while we were there, actually, it came up. Well, I mean, you said it had, it had color the whole time? Yeah. Throughout the, that must have been just some more runoff from at nighttime, because that's what usually happens, and they steady out a little bit. It snowed like crazy on our way up there. Yeah, it rained a bit oh, yeah? too. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, it looked like my dad turned the brights on. It looked like Star we were Wars. fucking, yeah, light, yeah, what? warp speed. Warp speed in Star yeah. Wars? Yeah, my, it was awesome. My neighbor went up to Cleveland a couple of nights ago, like Thursday night, early Friday morning, I think, and she's, it was crazy snow up there. Like actual snow, snow on the roads and everything. Well, it's Cleveland. That's I'm sure we, Buffalo's getting Well, it when too. we had that, the backside of that, all mm-hmm. that wind yeah. come through, that was mixed with snow up along the lakeshore. They had a little bit of precip. Yeah, no, you guys actually, I texted you last night and it said it was raining up there. Mm-hmm. It rained a little bit more last night before that snow probably came through. So, yeah, sounds like a shitty day on the alley. Should have hired a real guy. <laughs> Should have done something. Then you'd have got to fish the whole, the good holes. So, so now you could we can beat on you for a little bit. So oh, I'm okay, dumb. Go ahead. I'm willing. Hey, if there's you want to know who's hard on this guy? Here's an awesome story. There's nobody harder than me on me. Okay, because that's about that describes my sex life too, huh? Chad. My uncle. My Ch- uncle actually. Chad, you me uh, on me. You ah. on you and hard on in the find, same word. Find the sentence. find the quote out of a movie for that. <laughs> Jake shot an eight point. Yeah, you nice told me one. your yeah. uncle. Yeah. I, I was um, right I, down. Uh, sure, I'll get to see a picture around Thanksgiving or something. We right <laughs> down by the blue. Don't, don't blow that spot. Right down by the blue building down there by where we float through. Mm, yeah, yeah. He so, know, he knows he ain't a lot in there. So he was. <laughs> <laughs> he just like the rest of us want to get mm. up into good spots. Yeah, no, I I actually fuck. Listen, this is crazy, man. I, I hate to. Said was sound, brought it up. Sound like idiot. Oh, it's it's on. No doubt about it. This week has been, you know, a great a great week to be a bow hunter, and I got some opportunities to get out. I was, you know, told a shitty story last week, and and I got plenty of shitty stories. There's no lack in them. When I do good, and it it actually happens for me, feels even way better because because all the times I don't know that bow hunting everything got to be perfect. It's tough. It's a hard sport. To, you know, to archery or fly fishing for me. That's that's relaxing. I get to lose a big fish and chuckle about it and do it again. So, big bucks, not so much. But first encounter, I get out on a Monday evening. It was like beautiful weather early in the week. We had still had sun, warmth, long days. And uh, I slip into like the, a bedroom of a deer in this little, little place. I'm talking, dude, I'm, I'm in, there might be 50 trees in this little patch. And the rest of it's like tall grass and it's got split apart by some railroads and there's a exit ramp i'm talking i'm like in the in a little little spot this place is 
not but maybe three football fields in length. I know where you are. And, no, you say that. and very, very small. Like you would, nobody'd be like, I'm gonna go deer hunting over there. No, you know, I do it. So slip in, step off the side of the road, follow like the the like edge, trying to keep. This is how I try to hunt these spots. I try to keep my whole scent out of the patch if I can. If I can back myself into the corner where the wind's prevalent, and I can keep because if I you know if I see them from afar, I can devise a plan. If I know they're in there, I can wait them out or you know. When you go too far on deer hunting, it doesn't help. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help the next guy. So it's it, once you spook them in small woods, especially like I'm hunting, they they smarter every time. They don't just get dumber, and you know you want them to walk around looking up in trees and shit like that. But deer are deer, and they will sniff you out like the rats you are. People, it don't matter what scent block or great gear you got or scent regimen. There's there's a fine line to erasing all scent, and it can't be done. But it's a game we play, and we hope to just get close enough. So I got close enough, dude, and I was on a nice deer, non-typical. Watched him come from way far, hit a scrape, then he disappeared. And sure shit, man, gets to my trail. Sneaks in behind me and hits the trail I came in on. Comes right to me. And broad notice, I said there was no trees, so I'm in full-blown broad daylight i i'm scared to like move away from the tree i had him at 20 yards i could have shot are you on the ground no no i climbed i climbed him i took my climber because i don't have set stands in this spot because it is so little and it's probably not worth spending time in but i snuck in his bedroom and he never gets bothered over there i don't even think i spooked him too much he he caught a little bit of wind to me you know he was he wasn't real antsy, though. He's like, something's up. Something's up. I don't know, but something's up. Take one step. Look around. Look around. Take one step. I needed him to take one more step to be full-blown open. But he was on such fucking eggshells that if I would have probably drew in, you know, on sun, sunlight 15 yards, you know, a calm day like that, he probably would have spooked, especially with him already having my scent. So I had my chance there out at, like, 20 yards, I, you know. I probably put a, could have put a good shot on him, but what do you do? You know, I'm going to just go flinging an arrow through some brush, and you got to wait for that moment. That's hey, you all. don't want to hurt a deer. Well, you don't you don't get it back. You touch the trigger, and that's it. That's that the story's wrote. So, and then that was a good buck encounter. It was a sweet buck though. He had like a regular side that was four, and the other side had a brow tine and a straight like dagger that hooked in. It was sweet, man. It was a very cool like character buck man but it it looked like you know like some dogs are just really fat like a like a fat pit bull short and stubby he was like that his face was short had like the short fat nose i was like man it's a fat deer every lab i ever owned was like that dude that's the short <laughs> just short and stubby it was it was a good deer it was a good deer especially for my area but this year man there's been a lot of nice deer showing up in my general area which is i i hunt ohio but the the pa ohio line which would be northwest pa and very eastern Ohio, not so far north, about an hour south of the lake. There's some, I've been seeing some great deer get shot and just seeing some good deer in general around my area. And I try to hold off little ones, and I know my spots fill up with lots of deer, but we're seeing quality, <clears throat> quality this year. And there's guys that run cameras, <clears throat> so I could understand people in the neighborhood being a little bit upset when I'm parked all over the place hunting. They're jealous, you know. People, I have had a guy fucking follow me today out of a spot, follow me past my home. Now I think that's 
crossing the line a little bit, but that's stories for another day. So the the good part, though, is back to the hunting, <clears throat> which is all great and fun until everybody gets jealous about it. So that was Monday. Uh, I had a pretty sweet encounter later in the week there. I had uh, a smaller buck come in. It was like a, a seven. It kind of had a little kicker off like the brow. It was small. Come right under me. I'm not worried about shooting anything that small. And seen a little bit better buck that I think it was Friday. Thursday or Friday. They're there. But Saturday came. I got out in a sweet, sweet spot, November 2nd. As <clears throat> soon as I get set up, deer are coming. I got a doe walks right under me. Then here comes a six point, walks right under me. It's like, some, you know, right right where I'm, I set my bow to, you know, crawl up and everything. You're back in a climber again? No, this is some set stands I got, and I ain't really been in, and it's a honey hole, real honey hole, like. It's a spot. There's big bucks around, so I know I'm, I'm 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 just waiting. I seen a decent deer there earlier in the week, and it just didn't come close. I didn't get a good look at it, but so I watched all these deer come by me. Had three doe come by. I'm watching them, and I I turn as they're you know going from my front to my back, and I notice just a, a stomper buck, like big thick horns. He goes face to face with a doe and she runs. I'm like, man, he's going to chase her. And she went back away from me. I'm like, I'm not going to get a chance at this deer. Instead, he steps wide open, goes right into the power line I'm sitting on. I give him a little merit. He postures up. He's a little bit of quartering away, about 28 yards. I didn't rush nothing. Touched the trigger off nice. So when you give him a merit, are you just doing that with your mouth? Yeah. Merp. Yep. Yeah, and and in fact, I don't advise people to do that. It's stupid. It's kind of a habit I got, and it's burnt me on some deer. It can burn you. You do that, and they just spook. You know what kind of deer, what kind of how they're feeling at the moment. But yeah, I, he he was oblivious. He didn't know what was going on. I let him have it. The arrow flew in there perfect, dude. It was no no better to me shot I could make placement wise, right behind the shoulder and got the angle heading toward you know maybe front opposite shoulder i'm in i'm in the wheelhouse you know I'm, I'm there i'm i'm right where i need to be i watch this deer wheel around run ends up on the other side of power line broadside i slows down it starts walking stops i see the blood right behind the shoulder i'm like oh i smoked him he's just gonna walk over there and flop i'm like go down go down go down go down didn't and disappeared so wait an hour and a half last place i see him go look for blood Follow this thing for a mile. A freaking mile. Okay, did all this tracking. Ended up getting close to the deer once. And I didn't, it never bedded. Never jumped. You know, I just had steady blood the whole time. Like, drop, 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 drop. Not not one drop, one drop, but drops. You know what I mean? Like, it was bleeding. So, I don't know what the hell was going on. Followed the blood more from where I thought, you know, we got close to it. And then just still blood. Went back today looking. Still blood, man. Like, found some more. This thing keeps going. So, if anything, I may have hit one lung or that shoulder blade butted me out or something. I don't, I just didn't get the penetration. Found the arrow after all that tracking, you know, yesterday. And it was only six inches of penetration, which that's all, <laughs> that's all I can give. That's all I can ever freaking get. That's twice what you can get. <laughs> Yeah, that's me donating twice. <laughs> if anybody needs, yeah. But anyway, the the thing was is at that angle that wasn't shit. It was my, it could have been two inches. You know what I mean? It. I don't know how far in there I got. So 
I don't think that deer is hurt. He made it all that way. Never bedded. It just it amazes me how tough these deer are. It amazes me how you could think you know you 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 wait that one for that one moment. You want perfection and and it's hard to obtain. It is and anybody who takes it lightly to to wound a deer, or hit a deer, not get it. That, that pisses me off too. It, it burns. You, you called me. You called me. And you me. sounded pretty. I'll cry, dude. I don't yeah, give a shit. Pretty, you're pretty, pretty pissed off. Yeah, but that was that was after I missed another eight point later that day. Boy, I'm on a roll. Yeah, I went into a little honey hole and this deer comes out like a high eight point and I just completely blow it. We're gonna come back. Right Thought after you were gonna our say guest, wah, wah, wah. Right after our, I, I'm gonna have a nice. Whenever you get done with that oh, story, dude. I'm gonna have a won't 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 set up. Yeah, dude. But uh. We're going to come back with our guest. We'll get back to that and Mark's story about muskie fishing and whatever else fishing he's done since we've talked last time. It's all hero to zero or zero to hero, bro. All of it. You're this fine line. Mm-hmm. For sure. And we are back with Mark Hieronymus from Bear Creek Outfitters in Juneau. What's happening, brother? Not a whole bunch, fellas. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good tonight. We, uh, we came off a long week of getting skunked and everything we fished for. Oh, man, well, what are you guys fishing for? Uh, Fish that are hard to catch, apparently. <laughs> well, to, <laughs> today, Jay and myself... Smart ones. Today, Jay and myself did a lake run steelhead, or rainbows, cool. whatever you call them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't get shit out hunting, so that's a real similar story there, man. I yeah. had my ass off and, and had the coolest encounters, but came up short and then when these guys invited me to go fishing day i was like oh no hell hell no i i gotta got some good hunting to do and glad i didn't go yeah. with them <laughs> yeah no muskie on my end either oh well it's all about being out there right yeah, absolutely Amen. good to be outside i took a nap on a log today it was the best 30 minutes of sleep i've had all week that's awesome. I would love to be able to nap on logs around here, but holy smokes, the consequences are pretty dire when you got brown bears around. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> so what what is the bear situation? I mean, how it, how dire is it? Oh, it's it's not. It's not at all. You just can't be a fool. You know, you gotta you gotta respect them. It's their house. It's not yours. And. As long as you uh, let them know you're around and and you don't have one that's, you know, having a bad day, they're fine. But it all depends on where you are, too. Like some of the places that I fish up in Bristol Bay, um, man, it's, you know, I've been around a lot of bears in my life. But even up there, it's just like, oh, man, you guys sure these things are safe? And all my buddies are, yeah, you know, they're throwing rocks at them to keep them away from the fishing hole. (laughs) And I'm just like, whoa! I'm just gonna move over here. But down here, you know, our bears are a little bit—they're a little bit more. Well, not more necessarily more aggressive. They're just not up there. There's only certain areas that have, you know, huge sockeye runs, and so all the bears from their surrounding area end up there, and they kind of look at each other like, hey, man, we just got to get along. We're just trying to eat, right? And so they sort of treat you that same way. And our bears do down here, but they're a little bit more territorial. You know, I've been run at a couple times, charged a couple times. and You know, it's just you got to you gotta play nice with them. You got to let them know that you're not there to bug them, you know, and if they want you to move, you move. So so have you ever, you know, you mentioned, you know, seeing one that had, having a bad day. Have you ever seen one have a bad day, and what did you have to do to, you know? Save your own ass. Um, you know, 
I've had them have bad days and good days. I've had a lot of bears that I know that, you know, you watch their temperament change. Matter of fact, one of the places that I fish quite a bit. Um, this year, it's like third, the third generation of bears that I've known. So the Ma, when she originally moved into the place, she, uh, she was kind of a she was kind of a jerk for a little while, but then when she figured out that we weren't you know we we were moving around her and not moving her out, she was pretty cool with us. And even with cubs, you know, you could it's not like you want to do you know you don't want to go up to them all the time. You don't want to be around them when they have cubs because you know they can their demeanor can change in an instant. But you know, there's times when you have to go past them. The tide might be keeping you close to them you know like within 40 or 50 yards and she'll just kind of chill out and watch us but you know there's other places that other places that you go where you'll see one bear and they'll start running at you from 400 yards away because they're like hey whoa get out of here you know (laughs) but it's just on that particular day so you never really know what they're going to do you always make sure that they know you're there and you always make sure you're ready for it when uh you know if and when something weird happens yeah it's crazy though uh so, so you got people depending on you to not not get eaten. They're ready to go though. They're ready to catch their fish though. That that's the good thing, right? Yeah. People are pretty brave. Yeah. Some people, some people are kind of interesting. Some people are like, "What? It's just a bear." I'm like, "Dude, you see that thing? <laughs> that's, that's an apex predator, man. Why don't you know? I know you've seen them on TV, but this They're one's like, a real live one." So. They try to get like about, selfies and shit with them. <laughs> Dude, look at this yeah, bear, right? And I'm like, "Man, don't do that. I got to fish around this thing all damn year, and you're just making my life hard." So just get back here. You know? <laughs> They're not Buffalo and Yellowstone. Come on. <laughs> right, right. Uh, don't ride the bears. <laughs> Bear fight. So, can uh, can we get into your fishery a little bit? Uh, what what are you looking for as the season progresses? Are you mainly like a a trout fishery, or you catching salmon? Um, go on, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I go said, ahead. or are you going after the salmon as they run as well? <clears throat> so I guide in I guide in southeast Alaska. We're down here in the Panhandle. We're in the flyover portion of the state. Everybody, you know, on their way to go to fish for huge rainbows in Bristol Bay ends up flying over us, which is kind of good because we've got some of the greatest fisheries down here. and They're not anywhere near maximally exploited, which is kind of nice. But we start the year in uh, here in northern southeast in uh, late April and early May for steelhead. And we got a really brief window. We don't have a whole lot of fall run fish over here, so there's not a whole lot of fish that overwinter in the creeks, but we get a lot of spring run fish. Well, a lot, quote unquote, a lot. Uh, there's a lot of rivers with spring run fish. And so they're here, um, they're here for about three weeks before they really start spawning. Once they start spawning, I just skip that. I just get away from those areas. They're just, you know, the bulk of the steelhead runs around here 200 fish or fewer and so it's you know already by going there you're sort of imposing upon them so we start with that we don't gu- i don't guide that one a whole lot we because uh, it's more like a backcountry elk hunt than it is you know fishing it's crawling through the brush and going long distances to be humiliated by fish but um the real the real guide season kicks off with saltwater dolly varden uh which is a char it's really close to the brook trout and uh, they're feeding on outgoing salmon smolt or outgoing salmon fry at that point, so they're pretty close to the river mouth. And uh, we'll do that from uh, May until late June, and late June is when our uh, salmon start getting close enough to the river mouth to where we can uh, 
catch them in salt water off the beach. And um, once that starts, it's pretty much, you know, it's pink and chum salmon for uh, the bulk of the summer. And then in uh, there's a couple rivers that we have that have uh, early summer coho runs. So we'll start in some of those places in uh, mid-July. The bulk of the coho runs start showing up around the second, third week of August. And then by the end of August, it's going full swing as the other fisheries are tapering off. Chums usually end up tapering off right around the first, you know, the summer run chum will taper off around um, early August. And then the fall run chums will start just right after that. Um, pinks are, they're usually, a, they usually go from, you know, that late June all the way through into September. And then by about the second week of September, we're, uh, we're wrapping stuff up. The weather gets a little bit iffy for flying because we do all, I do all fly. I don't, we don't drive anywhere or boat anywhere. It's all getting to a plane and fly away to a place that people don't normally go. So and do you so, have a car? Do I own a car? Yeah. If you're yeah. flying everywhere in, in the boat everywhere. Yeah. No, we we have roads. I mean, we we got we got like our town. We're we're the second biggest town in Alaska. Oh, okay. We have 160 miles of road total. <laughs> so I got two cars, you know. <laughs> but for fishing, for fishing, it's all. He his boat know. with a boat. <laughs> yeah, I sold I sold both my boats. I didn't when I uh, I, used, I had a fishing partner who used to be my business partner for years, and and so our schedules were such that you know. He and I worked out perfectly to, for boat ownership because it wasn't like, hey, can I borrow the boat? Or, hey, are you using it? It was like, all right, we're going to do it and take the boat. But I haven't had a boat in a while. kind of sucks. <laughs> you need to get back on that train. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's something else to throw money at and get pissed at. <laughs> exactly. So what got you into fly fishing in the first place? How would you get started? Um, well, I've been fishing since, uh, you know, my er, some of my earliest memories are fish and fishing you know my dad was a hardcore uh hardcore fisherman and um growing up that was always a part of our that was a part of our life and part of his time was was spent fly fishing and so he taught me uh, the gear was available at a very young age and he taught me um how to fly cast i think when i was five maybe six so you know 45 years ago um, but I, I was, uh, I was more of a facultative fly fisher for the longest time because I, I love catching fish. I mean, that used to be the single reason that I went fishing was to catch fish. I mean, I fished in some horribly crowded conditions just to catch a fish. Right. And, uh, so it was a lot of gear fishing. Um, and when I moved up here, uh, permanently in in the mid 90s um catching fish wasn't a problem i mean it was obscene you could go out with a you know any anybody who was halfway decent with a spinning rod could could go fill the bed of a pickup truck with salmon in about four or five hours and so it wasn't you know that wasn't the issue and so it's like how can i make this more interesting i mean i see these guys over here fly casting for them so i know that the people catch them on a fly and so I really started working on that, and uh, it turns out that, you know, I had been missing out on that all along. Even, you know, spending half my time fly fishing for them previous to the mid-90s, but, or, you know, fly fishing for salmonids for, you know, half the time. But it turns out it's a whole lot easier to catch them on a fly rod than it is on a gear rod. And so uh, 
after that, it was just kind of like, well, what won't they eat? What's the craziest thing they'll eat? What's the, you know, let's just have fun with this. And pretty soon, all, the only thing that I, you know, only thing that I gear fish anymore for is halibut. I haven't halibut fished in years, so it's pretty much 100% with a fly rod in my hand now. What, not since you sold your boat? What's that? I said you haven't halibut fished since you sold your boat. Yes, yes. So I used to um, I used to uh, own a processing company. I used to own a uh, seafood processing company. And, and uh, by fall, we were usually so dead tired that one of the easiest ways to rest was just get in the boat and drive away from cell phone coverage, throw the anchor out, throw the halibut rods out, and fall asleep, right? <laughs> and so, you know... I uh, I sold that business in 2011 and sold the boat soon after that and it hasn't really been I haven't really had the need to uh, halibut fish. My wife's the halibut killer in the family. She's the one that goes out and she's the one that goes out and murders them and brings them back. Most everything <laughs> I catch, I just throw back and she just thinks I'm crazy for it still. So you don't bonk any salmon throughout this season? Um, uh, not really. We're all catching. The guiding I do is all catch and release, 100. percent And um, and I like salmon, but as some, you know, as you might imagine, I spent almost a quarter century in the seafood industry, and one of the perks of that is, is free seafood and as much as you can eat of it. And so I'm kind of a salmon snob. So I'll eat a king salmon, one, you know, but we haven't had a good, you know, we haven't had decent king returns, good enough king returns to actually justify going out and killing one in the last five or six years. But all the other ones, I'm like, nah, unless it's free and unless it's super fresh, nah. Man. I'm not gonna go through. The, I'm not gonna go through the effort, you know. So, so now you give me a rockfish or a lingcod, boy, I'll be all over that. But everything else, you know, it's kind of like, eh, had it a lot. Okay. Really. So we got you got four guys from Pennsylvania here that all aspire okay. to someday fish in Alaska. What What do you wish your clients did before they uh before they made a trip? Um. Well, I got a pretty wide range of clientele from, you know, so the, the overarching thing was, would probably be, um, I, for, for most of the white males, 40 to 60 would just be practice your listening skills and, and huh? practice your practice, <laughs> right. <laughs> and practice your, you know, practice you're doing something that somebody's suggesting to you that's the single biggest thing i mean casting we don't have to cast a whole long way it's great if you can you know it's just prosecuting a fishery and some of them some of the fisheries that we that we uh take folks to are they're not super technical but you're going to catch as many fish as you can Unless you listen to the guide, and if you catch if you listen to the guide, you're going to catch as many fish as you want, and so that's kind of one of those things. But other stuff, you know, everybody everybody wants to buy the greatest and the, the most expensivest and all that stuff, and just take all that money and spend it on lessons. Be a little humble. Start out from you know how to cast, how to tie knots, how to rig your line, and then we'll go from there. You know. So. Are you dealing with mainly you know? New fly fishermen, or are you getting a lot of experienced people with what you do? I get such a wide range. I I I guide a hideous amount of people. I mean, it's it's fairly industrial. I uh, the the uh, company that I work with, Bear Creek Outfitters. Um, we uh, we 
a, a large part of our business is, is uh, catering to the cruise industry, which is huge. We had 1.3 million cruise ship passengers in Juneau last year alone. And so I'd say about 75, 80% of the people that I take fishing are off a cruise ship. A lot of them are anglers. You know, some guys are like, hey, man, I, the only reason I did this trip is to come fish with you guys, which is super awesome. But a lot mm-hmm. of them are like, well, you know, this is Bob and Ethel from the Midwest, and they thought it looked like fun, and they'd seen it on the TV, so they wanted to try it, you know. From, you know, everything from that to I've had, I had the lead casting instructor from the Hardy Grays, casting it from the fishing academy in england one year uh, i've had you know various other celebrity anglers come out with me it's just a wide range of people so but i average about well this year i had 400 clients and it was a it was a rather low year um my average 2015 to 2017 was 475 people a year that i take out fishing and how long's uh, your season that you do that in uh, it's from May until September. I work every single day. I do mostly half-day trips, and some days they'll post me up on a place at 7.30 in the morning and fly out plane loads of people to me two and three times. <laughs> so, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty industrial. But I'll tell you this about that, man. It's a way the things that I've learned just by doing that and just by observing these long stretches of, you know, time on one creek or or you know there was one place that i did a month on because we couldn't really fly anywhere else for a month and so you see the same stones you see the same fish you're like yeah that's larry that's bob there's jim over there hey guys how you doing you know and the the things one of the things that that i get out of that is knowing how to get people yeah, how to make their dream, their dream is to catch fish in Alaska, right? So you got to be able to make that come true no matter what day it is, high water, low water, bright sunshine, no sunshine, wind, whatever, you know? And so after all those experiences, it's really nice because you look at it and you're like, oh, I remember this one, there's this, 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 and all these things lining up and, hey, let's throw this and let's do it this way and boom, you get your fish. So that's really, you know, that's super fun. So you had mentioned the Dolly Varden um, eating yeah. the uh, the salmon fry at the mouths of the mm-hmm. rivers. Are you throwing like a uh, like surf candies and stuff for them, or like clouds uh, of minnows? I got a, I got a couple flies um, that I've done over the years that uh, are kind of there. One umquat ties it for me now. It's called the doppelganger, and it's basically an epoxy minnow. It it looks like a lot of the other epoxy minnows out there. Nobody was tying them in a size six and a size eight, and so I just started tying those and. And uh, so we throw those a little bit. I also have a fly called a fryolator, which is a it's a it's a jig. It's a lure more than it is a fly. It's got you know super heavy lead eyes on a on a size six jig hook or a size eight jig hook, and like four strands of body material. You can barely see it, but boy, it moves up and down really nice, and the fish like it. But yeah, you're just throwing you're throwing feed imitations. You're throwing. Uh, Clousers are, you know, the staple. That's the, you know, that fly catches fish everywhere it goes. And so bait fish imitations, clousers, things like that. A lot of topwaters. Topwaters can be really good at that time of year. So, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. The dollies move around. They don't have fealty to any one stream. They tend to, they overwinter in lake systems. And then when they, when they move out after the ice off of the lake, usually in April, uh, they'll swim downstream. They're skinny and they're ravenous, man. They're just trying, they're eating anything that moves for the first week or so. 
but then they'll kind of move around in packs uh, from river mouth to river mouth. And we have so many rivers up here, you know, there's by, by good guesses, probably 8,000 salmon streams just in my area here. And, uh, so they just kind of move around those things. And if there's a lot of feed coming out, you know, if there's a lot of salmon fry coming out, they'll post up there and, uh, and, and eat. But some days you go out there and it's just crickets, man. You walk out and you're, you take a look. There's no fry coming out of the river. There's no fish busting. You're like, hmm, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk back in the plane, right? Go, go somewhere else. Yeah, no, see, that's the thing. If the plane drops us off and then it leaves. Uh, so <laughs> from from the plane coming in, are you able to get to where you can see them when they're packed up in the water? No, and they're usually there's usually enough of them around. They're you know I I pride myself I'm finding some wood here in the house to knock on. I've never had a blank day, and uh, that was last year was my seventeenth year guiding, and I've never had a blank. So I mean that's one thing that I. If the fish aren't right there in front of us where they should be, quote unquote, should be, um, then we're not, you know, depending on the will of the group, we're not going to stop until, you know, we're in front of the fish again. And so dollies are kind of goofy that way sometimes. You know, in the springtime, we get a lot of, uh, I guess I'm going to veer off in nerd territory. Is I'll nerd it out, man. <laughs> All right. So in the springtime, we get a lot of snow melt. We get a lot of cold water coming out of the rivers and the salt water. The uh, surface layer of the salt water is generally about 68 degrees warmer than the river water. And so a lot of folks fish in the river plume, but you'll find that if you move away from the river plume where the, where the water's a little bit warmer, you'll find the dollies. And um, they generally, when they're cruising for bait, they, use, they usually move really slow and they usually, oh, excuse me, I was burping there. They usually move in a, not a predictable pattern, but they'll pattern themselves. They'll kind of move around in little in one little area because, you know, that's where the last food was, right, until they get really bored and then they'll take off. And so as long as you can intercept that pattern where they are, you can catch them. And so sometimes we'll fly out to, you know, to fish at a creek mouth or, you know, fish at this, you know, spot X here, and we end up a half mile down the beach on some nondescript little chunk because that's where the fish happen to be. So, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting fishery, that's for sure. And these fish typically range in what size? Uh, the the standard line that comes out of my mouth is 8 to 18 inches. And uh, it's usually, you know, there's some places in the spring where we can go out and I can show you thousands and thousands of six-inch olive hardened feeding. <laughs> and then there's other places that we can go where you probably won't touch a fish that's under 18 and you'll catch a couple in the mid, you know, the mid-20s. But um, by and large, they're uh, they're they all fall into that 12 to 12, 16, 18 inch range, you know? So they, they pull like hell. We fish for them with seven weights cause we throw, um, we can't control the wind, you know, and we can't control a lot of people's casting ability. And so I fish overlined, overlined sevens and, um, they pull hard enough. Even a 15 inch will pull hard enough. That'll, it'll, mm-hmm. you know, pull a little line off a reel on a seven weight, straighten the rod out a little bit. So they're pretty angry fish. Not a whole lot of quid in them either, so they're pretty fun to catch. And do you also have a pike fishery there too? We have no pike fishery in southeast Alaska, and goddamn it, we're going to keep it that way. There's one, actually, there's one lake just to the north of us. Just just to give you guys a sense of geographic, uh, you know, a geographic place here. 
Southeast Alaska is about 500 miles long and about 130 miles wide a spot. And there's one place up in the northern end that does have natural pike in it. And uh, and they've been introduced in other places in Alaska and just wreak havoc uh, on salmon fisheries. And so I'm hoping that they don't ever show up here. A lot now, of bucket biology has gone on in places with road systems where guys like oh I'm trying to drive I'm tired of driving eight mile, or eight hours to go catch my pike so I'm just going to catch a couple and put them in this lake and next thing you know wah, 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 then they're everywhere yeah, yeah they're, they're right. pretty frivolous so, everywhere they're they're at man they're going to be the first yeah. first to eat something every year that's for sure yeah but uh so now you were mentioned topwater earlier are you fishing just foam flies and are you tying all these flies for your clients to fish with oh yeah i tie everything i supply everything i rods reels lines leaders waders jackets snacks i mean the whole nine yards you come in one side dressed in your street clothes walk out the other side so so even going to fishery even bill and nancy from small town texas who's seen it on the oh yeah on the boob tube <laughs> yeah now that's awesome uh but like i said uh top water what are you catching on the top water is it the Pinks, uh, or? We catch everything on the top water. I mean, you fish, you uh, dollies, you know, steelhead are a little pain in the ass in the springtime to catch on top water. I've been trying for a long time. Mm-hmm. They nudge the fly, but they won't fully commit to it, at least in my experience so far. But um, the, it like the dollies are great on top waters. A uh, little slider pattern that we fish. It's just a popper head that you flip back around so the pointy end's going forward, so it makes more of a V-wake instead of a blorp, you know. And then um, we tie a Gartside Girdler variant that uh, took all the things off that, that catch fishermen and, and uh, put on one or two things that actually catch fish. And, and we'll fish those, um, different colors, different sizes. But uh, that's actually um, – dollies, dollies on the top are, are kind of goofy because they, they swat at flies quite a bit. They actually um, – they if they miss it, on the first shot with their mouth, they'll usually come back and try to swat it with their tail to kill it or stun it, you know, and especially when they're dealing with bait fish. And so they do that a lot to your flies and just kind of throw them around. I mean, it's hilarious to watch, but it doesn't really translate into hookups that well. Um, but pink salmon, we fish uh, we fish a lot of dries, and that's where that, gir- you know, the guard side fold-back style comes into play. And then something I've been doing for, uh, let me see here, it's been a while now, seven eight years now is we've been uh, dead drifting dry flies for Pacific salmon upstream dead drift. And that is just, that's awesome. Cause the pink salmon, I don't know where this started, but the pink salmon has got a kind of a bad rap. Is it people are like, Oh, you're fishing for pink. It's like, yeah, we're fishing for salmon. They're five pound salmon. that pull like hell. It's, you know, what's not the like, they pull like a dump but a truck, lot of right? people. What's that? So they pull like a dump truck. Yeah. Well, they don't pull like a dump truck. They pull. They okay. pull, and they're a lot of fun. I mean, a, a fresh one out in the salt, those first two or three weeks are awesome because people see their backing all the time. Even the guys that are experienced fly fishermen, they're like, oh, I didn't know they pulled this hard. It's like, right? <laughs> they're good. They're fun to fish for. But a lot of people, you know, especially the guys that have fished a lot and fished over Alaska a lot, they're like, oh, I didn't know we were going to fish for humpies. And you say, well, have you ever caught a salmon on a dry fly? And they say, well, they don't come up to dry flies. And it's like, all right, be prepared to have your mind blown. <laughs> and so we'll go out, you know, I've developed flies and techniques for fishing those flies that'll, that'll 
make the salmon do what I'm not sure they really want to do, which is come all the way up to the surface to check something out and then put it in their mouth. And so that's kind of cool. I mean, doing dry fly, dry fly fishing for, for five pound fish coming up out of three and four feet of water and, you know, multiple dozens a day is pretty much a universal dream among fly fishermen. And so this is just one of those, it's one of those things that I get to do quite a bit up here, which is kind of nice. When you say dry fly fisher or uh, dry fly fishing, are you talking like bug imitations or are you still talking foam flies? Foam flies. Okay. So okay. I guess it's not dry fly fishing, but <laughs> no, no, that's yeah, cool, man. <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of synthetics. I generally, for my, for my clientele flies, I, I don't put a whole lot of natural stuff on there because once again, wide range of abilities, um, that's a good recipe for heartbreak for new guides up here to spend all their time tying these flies. You tie it on there and the guy casts it into a high bank, right? You know, first cast, <laughs> bam. You're like, I hope you didn't spend more than 38 seconds on that fly, dude, because that's all that guy took to wreck it. So most of our flies are, or most of my flies are pretty simple. If there's four materials on it, then I'm just playing around, you know. If it takes me longer than a minute and a half to tie, I mean, I tie... I probably go through a hundred dozen, maybe 150 dozen flies a year. So if it takes me more than a minute and a half to tie it, I generally don't. I generally just buy them. So, yeah. Or you just beat them, right? Buy them or beat them. There you go. Yeah, we'll just beat a little bit. But I did today for the first time in probably two or three years since mm-hmm. the last time yeah. you went trout fishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go that far. That's uh, what. What are some other streamer patterns that you throw? You, anything like, uh, I guess, flesh patterns for any of the bigger fish? Mm-hmm. So for for guiding, no, I generally don't. Dollies aren't um, super receptive to salmon flesh. There's days that they just go bonkers for it in in September, but most of the time when they're when they're settling in on uh, on salmon, it's just it's it's. Uh, it's round or orange and round or, or you might as well be saving your money and, you know, going someplace else. So I do get a lot of people that don't want to fish beads and you say, well, we can fish something else for them, but you're, you know, if that's going to make you happy, then you can do it. But you're going to have to watch a lot of people catching a lot of fish while you're doing what you're doing just because you don't want to fish a bead. But I only do that for about the, the good, the egg drop bead season is about three and a half weeks long. And then, once the once the big egg drop season stops, then they go back to looking at other stuff. And they actually, then they start coming up to top waters in the river, like downstream skated and pop top waters, and that's just hilarious. So, try to keep my my beating to a bare minimum. You can make some incredible messes with a fly rod and an indicator and weight and beads and things like that. And I've seen some doozies over my years. So it's a lot easier if there's just one fly on the end and not a whole bunch of other weights and bells and whistles going on. So when you do get a doozy, do you just cut and start from, from scratch or are you, uh, you untangling for a while? Um, not untangling for a while. If I look at it and it's not, if there's not a crux that I can fix instantly that, you know, then I just, I'll just chop and, chop and retie and i i fish the system that i fish on the end of my rods um so i weld loops and all in all the ends of the fly line and then i fish five foot poly leaders off that an intermediate poly leader um and then off of the end of that i fish a uh, four foot uh tippet section that i looped a loop and so changing things out 
is really quick if you get a bunch of wind knots <laughs> wind knots right you get a bunch <laughs> of casting knots in the uh in the tippet it's no big deal for me to to you know i'd I tie usually i'd carry around like 100 pre-tied 12 pound test tippet sections and so i'll i'll just tell somebody hey go ahead and take another cast and i'll pull one of those tippets out tie another fly on the end and then as soon as they bring it in i'll just snap the other tippet loop it back on with the fly on and I was like okay you're, you're ready to go so you know what you're out in 20 seconds so I don't, I don't like the especially with multiple clients I don't like the okay hold on I'm you know Bob over here screwed up and so I gotta stand here and work with him it just it embarrasses them I mean I would never say that if I had to but it's just you know it's kind of like they feel you know as if they've messed up in some way, shape, or form, and so I'm usually like I look at it. I was like, oh, that's no problem at all, or oh, here, let's just cut this, and here you go, you're ready to go again, you know. So, but on the inside, of course, you're going, what did you do? Bob did it again. again. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said it about hit the nail on the head. It is very industrial that way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I and part of it is there's. I love efficiencies, and some people call it lazy, but all you know, it takes a long time to figure out where those efficiencies are, where you can pre-do a lot of this stuff. And so, I don't carry a fly box with me. Um, I carry all my flies in dozen bags. That uh, you know, you get the hooks of the Temco bags, where you get the hooks. You know, they're perfect size for minnow patterns, and so each one of those has a baker's dozen minnow, and I got like forty of those things arranged all over my body. And <laughs> so that way, you know, I know that. Most days I got this color in the right pocket and this color in the left pocket, and I don't have to go digging for a fly box anywhere. You're like a watch salesman in New York City. Yeah, there you go. Like I, hey, psh, you want a clouser, buddy? Chartreuse man, right here. Check it out. You know. <laughs> you open, open up the jacket. Get two for one. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been following you, like your fishing since uh, the G Smolt days on uh, the Drake, and. <laughs> And I uh, I understand you do a lot of saltwater fishing as well, and you got a trip coming up, right? Um, saltwater is in like warm tropical saltwater, as water? in like warm, not Alaska saltwater. <clears throat> so uh, I do I have my first actual official saltwater trip coming up. I'm in uh, so I'm going to Christmas Island in a month, which is I'm just like bouncing around the house. My wife is like, "Would you calm the hell down?" <laughs> you know? um, me and a buddy were supposed to do it. Uh, guy that owns a local fly shop here. We were we were going to get together for our 40th birthday a decade ago and take a trip. And then he went and had kids, and so we kind of put that on the burner, the back burner, far back burner for a while. And then we uh, fired it up again. And so we decided to go to Christmas Island. He's been there like 20 years ago, but this will be my first time in a guided fishing environment in the salt water. Everything I've done up to this is. You know, it's been mostly, I've had friends that have guided the area that will give me suggestions and like, hey, fish this, go over here. And and so it's worked out. But well, I tell you what, I love standing in the warm, salty water, though. It's just, it's kind of nice. Fishing for fish that are, you know, angry and they have pokey parts that they're not like <laughs> salmon or trout, you know. Pokey you got to know where to grab them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. I've been tying like a madman. I'm standing here looking at about 25 dozen bonefish flies that I've tied thinking about the uh, 
GT and sugar flies I have to tie, and I'm probably going to be the guy that shows up with like nine pounds of flies, and the guy's going to be like, oh, no, all you needed was that one, man. You need three of these so, crabs. That's it. Right, exactly. And I'm like, I don't have them. <laughs> but I've gotten to do some cool saltwater fishing. Uh, I was, uh, let me see, 2011, 2010 or 2011, we were down in, my wife and I uh, spent some time down in, uh, in Baja, in Mexico, and uh, we did the whole running down the man thing, you know, buddy gave us a, a four-wheeler, they set us up with a place and gave us a four-wheeler for the week, and then uh, we rode around on a four-wheeler on a hot-ass beach and yelled at a lot of rooster fish, and then uh, he took us out in the ponga, and we got a couple that way, but boy, it's a, you know, that was a fun fishery, going down to Florida and visiting uh, friends down there and wandering around on the beach catching snook. And I've been bone fishing before, but like I, I just made big, huge air quotes that you guys didn't see. Cause the, <laughs> um, my wife and I like to vacation in, in uh, Hawaii and on Kauai in particular, and those are notoriously the bone fish over there are notoriously hard to catch. And and I've had plenty of days over there where you know I've stood and yelled at them, and you know you move your rod, they're a hundred feet away, and you move your rod, and they freak out and leave the flat, never to be seen again. So I'm. <laughs> I'm excited to go to a place that has fish that supposedly bite a lot, so it'll be exciting. <laughs> and you get to see how industrial they are over there. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I'm I've, I've been guided a couple times, and I'm 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 curious. I always like to watch how the other people do it, what their their setup, not necessarily what they're doing on the water, but just their the way they approach it and how they how they approach the clients, how they approach, you know, the, the conditions, if they might be less than perfect, how they approach the day. And so it's just, it's always really, it's fascinating to watch other people work. Cause I, you know, as a guide, I'm acutely aware that this person is working, this person that's taking, you know, they're, they're giving you knowledge that they've spent in some cases, the better for part of their life accruing. And, and that to me is a, it's, you know, you're paying for the access and then you're paying for that. And that's in some cases you're paying far too little for that. So it's just kind of cool to watch. I'm sure you've, uh, you fish trout and other places around the country, correct? Yeah. And does what you learned in your fishery fishing for the, the crazy trout you guys have transfer anywhere else? Yeah, mostly because we just inflict our fishery methods on those other places. I mean, I couldn't tell you if you were to put like three bugs or even three dry flies in my hand, I'd be like, um, don't know what they are. <laughs> How do you tie this on? What, where does this go? You know, I don't trout fish quote unquote in that way. When I go down to the lower 48, I spend a lot of time with my spare rod fishing, you know, in, um, well, not a lot of time anymore, but used to when I travel down to Montana, Idaho, Washington, uh, you know, you'd go steelhead fishing for a little bit and then go over to Montana and go trout fishing, but it's always been swinging and throwing the same stuff that I'd fish up here, just slightly smaller because the fish are scaled down a little bit, you know? So I don't, I don't, I haven't learned other than, other than, uh, I had one time I was on the Madison. I, I actually, I, we should probably edit that out. I hate saying the names of places, but I was on the Madison one day and uh, on the river one day. And Nobody knows where that's at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I was walking across 
the river to cast in this bucket, and this guy behind me is just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, oh, I was going to go fish that run over there. And he's like, why are you walking past all the fish, though? <laughs> so that's pretty much how clueless I am when it comes to, quote, trout, unquote, you know, fishing. <laughs> so... Do you say I really, I really know what I'm doing, just not, not here. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, actually, you know what's really funny is uh, one of the guys from the Drake, Scott Wells, amazing human being. He took me out uh, fishing in Cheeseman Canyon one January, and this is like 2012 or 2013, maybe. No, nah, it wasn't even 2013. 2011 or 2012. Any rate, freezing cold. We hike up to this water and. Uh, he said, well, what do you have for tippet? And I said, uh, well, I've got eight. And he said, eight X. And I was like, no, eight pound test. And he's like, oh, well, you're going to need some of this. And he gave me this line that I couldn't even see. And so I broke it like 19 times trying to try it on the end of my line. <laughs> and then I, he said, all right, here's some flies. And he kind of moved his hand. And, and I was like, ha ha, that's pretty funny. Where are they? You know, where are they? And uh, he said, I put them in your hand. And there was a gust of wind. And he's like, okay, let me give you another dozen. <laughs> and he was handing me like these size 28 midges and I couldn't even see him. And I mean, my eyesight's not all that bad, but it was ridiculous. And I was thinking, God, hey, you guys, why do you do this? I mean, really that you're going to hook a fish and keep it on with that. But you know, that's what they do. So it's kind of interesting to do stuff like that. When it comes down to that, I'm just a complete noob. I have no idea. They're cast it over there. Well, what do I do then? I, you know, it's all a learning experience for me at that point. So, I will say that's why we uh, we kind of strayed toward musky fishing. Six aughts yeah. are way easier to tie on than size 28s. Yeah, right. <laughs> the thread that I use, I'd get one wrap on a size 28 and be like, well, that we're done there. You know, two, there's only so much 210 denier you can put on that thing. So. <laughs> I hear you, man. Hey, uh, lately you've been the face of uh, Sims. What, what went into... All that, the, uh, the marketing campaign. Um, answering the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, I got a call from, uh, from Rich Hong, uh, the former director of marketing at Sims, and uh, Connor Flanagan, the guy that manages the ambassador desk. And uh, I've been working with Sims since, um, let me see here, 2012. I've been one of their, uh, one of their ambassadors. And, uh, yeah, they just called me up out of the blue and said, hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, we're thinking about a new, you know, thinking about a location for our new G4 line, a location to do a photo shoot, and your name came up, and it would be perfect because you guys all have this super rainy weather in southeast, so you want to do that? And I said, sure. And then when I hung up, I realized that we're in the middle of one of the worst droughts that we've ever had, and uh, it, at that point it hadn't rained for like 20 days straight. And so... Uh, Long story short, we did some planning around prior climatic conditions, and they turned out to work out because the two days that those guys were here, the three days they were here, uh, were the only three rainy days in two months. So, <laughs> so you got lucky. Yeah, got lucky. I mean, I'd, I pretty much, I should have, instead of that, the first day I should have just said, no, fellas, I'm flying to Vegas because I'm feeling good, you know. <laughs> but but yeah it was super fun super low-key you know um they had i had a another one of the fellows that guides with us uh they put him up uh you know dolled him out as a model too and they 
we grabbed a plane and we flew out and we said, all right, what do you want us to do? And they're like, well, go fish. <laughs> and we can do guy, that. Yeah, that's like the luxury, right? I, I touch a fly rod for like 10 minutes every day while I'm showing people how to cast or how to retrieve or something like that. But after that, I don't fish during the summertime. I'm, it's all work, you know. And so getting to go to some of these places and go fish was pretty fun because I was like, wow, this is really fun. Now I know why people come out here. You know? <laughs> so. It's probably a nice break like midsummer, you know? Get you reinvigorated. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it. It. You know, our 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 weeks are pretty predictable as far as as far as up and down uh, in numbers of trips and stuff like that. And so we took them out on two of the slow days. And so instead of going home and doing laundry and tying flies and you know all this other stuff, I got to go fish for two days, which was pretty dang cool. So that and make silly faces you guys will probably see all the things you know it as the the imagery comes out over the next while and i told brian grossenbacher was a photographer incredible photographer great human being too but uh he was i i told him at one point i said are do i make stupid faces when i have fish on he's like uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i said do you you know i'll change that and he's like no 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 priceless dude priceless so you'll see a lot of me biting like my beard or my tongue hanging out or sneering or something like that. It's just kind of very involuntary, but I'm not a model by any stretch of the imagination. That's for sure. Although my beard does have an agent now. (laughs) So did the beard come, come about because of this or uh, is it a a year round deal? Um, yeah, (laughs) there's, there's some, I've had the beard for a while now, but that was kind of a joke when I first got it. I was like, man, my, you know, I, I, I got the beard and, and it seems like people listen to me when I'm guiding now. And like, I get tipped a little bit better. I don't know if it's me or the beard or what's going on here, but <laughs> nice, you know, nice beard. And then they slap you on the ass. <laughs> 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 well, no, um, <laughs> hot, better tips. huh? I've uh, had the beard for, by four years now, four four full seasons, and it was mostly tonsorial apathy. I came back from a hunting trip, a combined hunting and fishing trip, and uh, in October, and hadn't shaved. You know, I didn't shave for like a week before it, and then I came back from a three week trip, and I had a beard. My wife was like, "Well, I kind of like it. Trim it up a little bit." And so now it's you know. That's the the standing edict. She's like, your beard needs a trim, otherwise it's going away. <laughs> you look like a goddamn yeti. That's what my yeah, wife always tells me when I get a beard. Yeah. So. so, so she threw your face away four years ago. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that that's pretty crazy. You never shaved it in four years. All the way out. Trimmed it. Damn Trimmed it. Just, man, I haven't shaved down now. Man, you have no. a you have it's a probably new. just. You have a permanent I, coat. I tan up pretty good in the summertime. I used to, um, you know, I'd, I'd have to actually use sunscreen even in Alaska, but uh, Not now with it's the, just like right under my, right under just your eyes, right above the beard. Yeah, Santa Claus. I can't imagine style. what would happen now. I'd probably shave it off and get a sunburn in the winter. Oh, <laughs> you have a chapped <laughs> baby face white. under there. I remember yeah. five <laughs> five years ago, I shaved mine off. I walked out of the bathroom. My wife's in the kitchen. She like, she's like, don't you ever do that again. Like, I'll I'll bear with the baby face for two weeks. They were they Don't were broke. Never do that again. They were broke yeah. up for two weeks. Ah, that's crazy, man. So, Mark, we've been talking fishing for fifty minutes now. 
Um, yes, sir. I know you want to do a little bit of conservation talk. How, well, only if you guys are into it. No, we, we're we definitely, like I said, four guys from Pennsylvania that only know what we read about Alaska. Alaska, we Alaska wish. Alaska conservation, so. You say you yeah. live in a city up there. That's got to be fun, huh? Yeah, so... I, I want to know. Well, let, let me preface that I live in a I live in a in a quote subdivision unquote, and I've got there's maybe thirty houses total in this subdivision. We've got dirt roads. And That's we're on perfect. The man. one road that goes out the island, we have to cross a bridge to get back into the town. But yeah, so. So do you have a gate on your subdivision with your two cars? No, I don't. <laughs> we don't. It's all it's all come and go as you please. There's actually really good deer hunting. Uh, well, good good deer hunting right above us and so folks will come in and, and park at the end and walk up and go shoot a deer which is kind of cool is that so. blacktail blacktail sick of blacktails yep. tastiest dogs you'll ever shoot <laughs> <Tastiest dog. laughs> what are they are they smaller oh yeah they're teeny you know i i i got a really really big buck in the uh late 90s it's actually had a big old regression rack on him um uh, big no, barely any teeth left. Big, big beams on the uh, on the base of the rack, and I think I got that. I mean, I cleaned this thing off. Like the, the the bones were squeaky clean when I came down the hill, and I think I got fifty pounds of meat off in total. So oh, yeah, yeah, they're pretty small. Uh, any other big game hunting up there? You got. Moose or anything um, in the area? Or? We have uh, moose and uh, uh, moose, and there's two islands down south of us that have elk. There's an introduced elk herd, and they swam across one of the other islands. So now there's two introduced elk herds. But other than that, it's uh, there's well, there's mountain goats. Like you know, that's popular summer evening uh, entertainment out on the back deck is to set up the spotting scope and look across at Spyglass Hill and look at the mountain goats up on the hill. And Yeah, I'd like to go up there and shoot one, but until you realize that you have to 5, go up a vertical feet. mile, shoot <laughs> it, and then get back down a vertical mile. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. And then there's bears. I don't know why anybody shoots bears. I don't I don't really care, you know, but I, I, it seems weird that somebody would hunt a bear to me, but that's pretty much what we got for big game. Do you guys have black bears around there? Yeah. Yeah, that's mostly what we have here on uh, on in Juneau and on Douglas Island is black bears. There's the odd brown bear that'll wander through, but it was actually a really copacetic bear summer this year. We didn't have that many in the subdivision, but there's been other years where you know you'll driving home or driving out in the morning, you'll see one walking down the street. So okay, so uh, back to the conservation talk. Um, back to conservation. Yeah. Um, so. The big deal in your neck of the woods is that the uh, the Pebble Mine. Well, so the Pebble Mine is, is the proposed Pebble project is is um, the big deal in Alaska at the moment, and that's the one that that's the one that's garnering most of the attention, and that's about uh, that's about six hundred miles to the northwest of me. And that that's definitely going to affect Bristol Bay should that go through. And it's a steaming pile of shit. There's just no no two ways around it. It's it's the commodification of a very of a small and finite resource for the enrichment of a very few while publicizing the mess that comes along with it, or not publicizing in the in telling people about it, but making the mess and the cleanup cost public. And 
and the salmon fishery up there, the commercial salmon fishery alone is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars over the years and, uh, you know, uh, generates more than a billion dollars a year in economic movement every year. And so even putting that in any sort of risk or jeopardy or even the illusion of risk or jeopardy is just immensely idiotic. But the one thing that happens here in my neck of the woods that nobody really, you know, we're once again, the flyover portion here, um, all the land around, almost all the land here in Southeast Alaska is the Tongass National Forest. It's the largest national forest in the, uh, in the U.S. national forest system. It's just under 17 million acres. And, uh, it, it's, there are more salmon spawn here in the Tongass. The Tongass is home to more salmon and more salmon streams than all the other salmon, or, or excuse me, all the other national forests combined. So it's pretty uh, vitally important. And right now, the big test that we're going through is uh, or a proposed exemption of the roadless rule on the Tongass National Forest. And uh, that's potentially huge. So the in-between guide outfitter, uh, tourism, recreation, uh, that's consumptive and non-consumptive, you know, so like hunting guides as well as nature guides, uh, commercial fishing, um, and uh, fish. Let's just say fish and, and the habitat and the landscapes that provide fish and then the hunting opportunities generate about a billion dollars worth of economic movement up here every year, and they provide about 26% of the employment in the region. And uh, none of the voices that, you know, that, that, uh, that generate this money are being listened to because a lot of the folks right now say, well, let's just leave the roadless in one place because you're going to end up carving this place up. You're going to end up you know, displacing guides or, or nobody's going to want to go out into the middle of an active clear cut that, you know, that a salmon stream runs through and go fish. That's just not the wilderness experience. And so that's the big, the big thing that we're running up against now. And how we got here was, is, it's pretty crappy. It was purely political, not the will of the people at all. You know, the roadless rule went on and, um, it was promulgated, I guess I could use that language, in, uh, 2001 and applied to about just over 55 million, like 56 and a half million acres of uh, national forests uh, nationwide. And the whole idea, the basis for the rule was that in areas that are over 5,000 square miles, it acted as a conservation placeholder, you know, to keep fragmentation at a minimum, to keep uh, wildlife habitat habitats uh, intact, to keep drinking water supplies, uh, recreation areas, you know, things like that. And the Tongass has been, uh, it, at one time, had a heavily subsidized logging industry. Uh, it was kind of the equivalent of a works progress thing, you know. It's subsidized to the tune of $500 million over the years. Um, and at one point, it deployed about 4,000 people. We had two huge pulp mills, and they were knocking down wood as fast as they could cut it out of the forest and turn it into asswipe, which is, you know, a head scratcher why why you would do that but it was so uneconomical that that project that that whole industry the pulp industry was was closed shuttered in the in the 90s 
and there are still people that are clinging to this idea that that logging is the best way to treat this landscape up here. You know, hey, look at all these free trees. Well, the trees suck. They're not good for much. Um, pulp can be produced in other areas a whole lot cheaper than it can up here. Matter of fact, we've had four timber sales in the last four or five years that haven't even gotten a bid because people say, nope, I just can't afford it. There's no way we can go in there and take the timber out and make any money out of it at all. But this continually gets foisted on us, you know, this whole, you know, well, we have to go, we have to get more logging jobs. Like there's less than a hundred on the forest right now in sawmilling and logging. Why, why would we, why would we change the way we do things to, to hold that number? Cause we're not going to increase that number. It's not like you can make, a whole bunch of new jobs just by opening up new areas. There's just no market for the wood. And, but the the political powers that be here in Alaska and our federal delegation and our governor just are have declared the state open for business, and this is part of their part of their push, I guess. And you know, there was a scoping period on this whole roadless uh, rule, the Alaska Pacific Roadless Rule, last fall in 2018. And the Forest Service even came out and said, well, you know, the majority of respondents in southeast Alaska didn't want us to alter the roadless rule. So we're going to exempt the whole place from it, which is just, it's just fundamentally ridiculous. So that's what I'm kind of right in the middle of now is my job. I work for, the other thing I do is in the wintertime, I work for Trout Unlimited Alaska program. I've worked for, I've all, I started out as a volunteer in 2007. Um, and when I sold my, my uh, processing company and in 2011, I, I uh, started guiding full-time. Before then, I was guiding shoulder seasons, um, but I started guiding full-time in the summer, and then in the winter times, I said, well, you know, I'd work quite a bit for you guys. If there's a place for me, that'd be great. I can, you know, I can give back. I've been monetizing fish. I've been killing fish for money all these years. It'd be kind of nice to do what I can to conserve those opportunities for other people to be able to monetize fish, and so that started in 2011 under contract work and then in 2013 they hired me so that's what i spend my winters doing is after i go and harass fish for a living i go and say i'm sorry and i'll try to do something for you <laughs> so, <laughs> so hey mark i have a question about the roadless rule that you're talking about are are they trying to make roads into and out of the tongas national forest is that what's going on or uh, i'm sorry I'm, I'm just uh not up to date no, on this yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack, and it's probably a short time to do it. But basically, what the roadless rule does is it just says you can't put a road in this section of the national forest, and so except for for uh, infrastructure, except for critical, except for there's a lot of uh, you know there's a non-critical list of things like logging and and things like that. But yeah, it basically just um, it keeps intact areas intact, and and that roadless you know there's there's enough leeway for industry to to apply for and obtain exemptions. Matter of fact, there's been 58 of them in the last 16 years the roadless rule has been on in the Tongas. All of them were granted. All of them were granted in less than a month. And all those projects went through for roads. But the whole idea is to keep people from building roads willy-nilly through national forests in, in, you know, for mineral exploration. Not you, know, you can't deny a person access to a valid claim, but you can keep them from going and making roads everywhere looking for stuff, right? 
And so, yeah, the idea is, you know, if, if you need a, a road from your community to another community with a hospital, that road already exists. That's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, it's not something that the roadless rule is going to alter. The roadless rule is, is, is basically um, keeping those large areas unfragmented. So. That, and you said uh, your trees were shit for making pulp. What What is your forest? Is it beech or birch or what is it? Uh, it's, all, it's, it's all conifer. It's sick of spruce is the primary, hemlock is the secondary. There's a lot of cedar, both red and yellow. Um, and it's, it, I shouldn't say it's shit for pulp. It's only good for pulp. Uh, it's not, there's, you know, the, the bulk of the, the bulk of the large wood, the bulk of the, the, uh, old growth, the, the desirable old growth is, is already gone. That's been, you know, the log, logging on the Tongass for old growth has been going on since before World War II. Matter of fact, are any of you guys musicians? Um... We listen to music. They're old. Okay. They're old punk rockers. They, they okay. just won't admit. Well, they won't admit it now. I think they're getting uh, too old. So uh, one of the watersheds right over uh, here in my neck of the woods uh, was logged by by uh, Lockheed Martin in uh, during the war era for uh, they were cutting down big straight grain spruce to make the spruce goose at that time they're making the airplanes you know they were using this war effort wood to make airplanes um but they high graded out the best of the best in that and the other part that people kind of forgot about lockheed martin was that that that's where martin guitars came from and so some of those best mid-war you know the mid-40s early and mid-40s guitars those you know martin guitars that are worth on the upwards of eighty thousand dollars now came out of the drainage that I can just barely see if I hop on my tippy toes and look out my side window. So that's kind of cool. I'm a, a, a bluegrass player and picker, and so I've got a bunch of Sitka spruce, which is, I think, the, the if you're going to cut down a log, turn it into an instrument so it you know, pleases everybody, or at least some people. Never made in the state we live in. Yeah, there you go, right? Mm-hmm. So, Mark, is there anything uh, that we haven't hit on that that you want to hit on? Well, I'm easy. I mean, we could we could do this for hours, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I, you have you have the best voice. <laughs> so it's soothing. Soothing. I'm gonna have to write that one down. <laughs> so in Alaska, when you're not fishing, what what do you do, man? Uh. Outside of like work or things like that, uh, recreating. Um, wintertime, wintertime, I'm pretty sedentary. You know, we travel a little bit. Uh, I don't, although I'm going to have to now that now that uh, I've hit that that middle age thing. Now that I'm 50. I guess I'm going to have to get outside and exercise. But oh, don't usually, do it. Don't you know, do it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I we got a. Uh, local rink here and um we finally got a, an actual refrigerated ice service uh in the middle of the 2000s and so i'd I'll strap on the skates and go play a little shinning there at lunch and uh we we do used to do more entertaining but we do you know friend get-togethers got a bunch of friends that are uh, like-minded and enjoy cooking and wine and things like that so the winter times you know when there's only Six or seven hours of daylight a year—that's when you 
that's when you hang out with friends and Alaska sounds pretty are. fun, man. I'm from Ohio. I'm from Ohio, so there's none of that. There's just there's just winos and drunks. I was gonna ask that. Uh, you know, during the summer for your guiding season, you what you so you have like 18 hour days of light, and then you're getting yeah, you know, the same the in the winter. Pliable light. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was Give just saying you're enough. getting the same in the winter as far as the dark. Yeah, it just flips right back around. So June, you know, on June 21st, there's that period from from early uh, first week in june till um about just after well right there in the second week of july where you know it doesn't get dark enough so that you need headlights at night you know which when i was younger was massively confusing because you'd go into the bar when the sun is up and then they'd kick you out the sun is up you're like wait (laughs) but uh but yeah there's you know there's 18 hours of daylight that we don't have uh nautical or astronomical twilight for that three and a half or four week period around solstice but then flip that around and you know december 21st 22nd you know my my wife goes to work at at 7 30 in the morning and she drives to work and then the sun comes up at nine and then the sun sun goes back down at three it never gets more than about 24 degrees above the horizon and so here at my house i got a mountain right behind me that sort of shields the sun on its tiny little you know journey it jumps up it's like nope goes right back down again and, you know, like, that's it that's all that's, that's all three, I'm coming so. up for today yeah right so it's you know that, that's the price that you pay though and the the fact that we get all that all that great growing season time in the in the summer and all that fun light and all that stuff boy we pay for it all winter so, so one kind of it's actually funny we i've been on airplanes that are going to hawaii or going to florida and you look around and you're like oh yeah, hey, I know the. Hey, how you guys doing? I know you too. You know, it's like <laughs> over the Midwest, you're like, hey, how's Eagle River? Good, great. You know, so. So one thing I'm dealing with this time of year is I'm splitting wood. Do you get into that in Alaska? No, man. You, I had do a pellet that? stove. For, I had a pellet stove for a while. I mean, could <laughs> if you wanted to. The neighbor does. He it smells real nice. He burns wood all winter long. But man, I, that's too much. Yet. That's. Remember I was talking about efficiency before? Yeah. We had a pellet stove for a while, and then when that thing crapped out, uh, we put in a a propane flame thing. So I got the fake wood stove. It even has little fake logs in it. Hey, remember when you were talking about getting outside and actually doing some exercise? Oh, man, come on. I don't want to chop wood. You know what? Actually, right now, we're doing this podcast. It hasn't helped Chad's beer belly, so... Hey, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. We're we're doing this podcast from my mom's house, which is my neighbor's house. So, awesome. Yes, it's great. So when we walk out of here and I walk home, I get to smell my wood fire. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> from That's the, worth From the outside. That, Chad drives home. Don't let him say he walks next door. <laughs> and, and now, mind you, that... 30-minute nap he told you about earlier. He started <laughs> off with, hey, come check out this picture. I look like a beach whale laying on a log. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <sighs> Those are all scared, the blackmail photo, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the bad part was I said, hey, Jay, come take a picture of me napping on this log. <laughs> I, I, tried the, I tried to get him from the fattest angle I could. Nice. There we go. I was like, your, your, your belly really it really protrudes on this angle. We're gonna snap a few of these. Yeah, I was actually I uh, I put on 
weight continually. Once I, when I was uh, processing for a little bit, when I was, you know, managing a processing company, it wasn't, you know, it was a lot of work. We made caviar. We made salmon caviar. And uh, I did that for, you know, like I was saying, for about 24 years. And uh, it's a labor intensive, the way we did it is a very old world process. And it's a very labor intensive process. And sometimes we'd hire incredible amounts of people to throw at this problem, you know, to, to, to make the make the product but still me and the other guy that i owned it with would end up doing the bulk of the physical labor and so there was a time in my life where you know we were we were kind of you know counting it up we moved millions of pounds around by hand not like pallet jack and stuff but like lifting buckets and moving moving uh while in the process of processing all this caviar making all this caviar you're moving hundreds of thousands of pounds in a week and and so I was never short on exercise. And then when I stopped, here's the weird thing, though, when I stopped doing physical labor for a living, I got a little fluffy. And um, I was up to, I hate to say this, but I was over 230. I'm 5'11", and I was over 230. And uh, I was looking at some of the pictures that, that, you know, my mirror... I can make it lie, but other people's pictures of you, you're like, damn, that's not what I had, the image that I had of myself in my head. And boy, you couple that with a, with a little bit of, uh, you know, some weight-related health issues, man. I had sleep apnea, high blood pressure. You know, I was on statins, which are the whole, most horrible thing in the world. I was on a uh, sinus drug because uh, I had nasal issues and, uh, I was kind of, you know, my doctor, who I play hockey with, small town, you can't get away from that stuff, right? You know, he's a hockey playing buddy. He said, look, you know, every time you come in here, I've been telling you to lose weight for like the past eight years, and I'm not really sure what I can tell you. So here's the deal. Lose weight or you're going to fucking die. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. Lose weight or you're going to die. Hey, it's the internet. It's Wild Wild West. Oh, that's right. Okay, lose weight or you're going to die. And that kind of hit it home for me. And so in 2016, I just, I figured that, well, if at least not for me, then for my wife, you know, and, uh, and I've lost, well, at my lowest, I was down to 181 and I'm back up to 194 right now, but I'm trying to keep on that lower side, man, no more drugs, no more, you know, I don't have to take anything anymore. My, I've always growing up, I was super athletic and, and so my pulse is back. My wife thinks I'm a lizard because I'll get up in the morning and my pulse will be like 40, 41, 42, my pulse rate is low. So back to being healthy. It's the only way to go. I'm about the same bone structure as you. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, my my top end isn't as high as your top end was. I'm like 118 or 218. Mm-hmm. But 5'11". And I'm on statins and blood pressure medicine, blah, blah, blah. What'd you do? Did you just start exercising? Did you quit drinking beers? What? Because I, qu- I quit. I, I've had four yinglings during this interview. <laughs> well, I've had two frescas. <laughs> okay. Seriously. <laughs> so, so, um. Part of that was, part of that, uh, well, a lot of it was, you know, I, I love food, man. I mean, my, my parents lived over in Europe for for uh, six years, and we, my wife and I went and visited them when they were in, in Germany, and then when they are in France, and so, you know, food is just my jam, and, you know, can't really cook good food without butter, cream, things like that. Well, you can, you just have to try at it. It can't be the easy thing, and so uh, we used to say, oh, yeah, we moderate, you know, it's like, I moderated this right into me, and, and <laughs> now it's more of a, hey, let's make a tofu stir fry. Hey, let's make 
a vegetarian taco. Hey, let's just go have a salad. Hey, let's, you know, do something that's a little bit on the healthier side. And instead of eating until we go, I can't eat another bite, you go, you know what? Let's eat until we need to eat in three hours or until we need to at least, you know, have a healthy snack in three hours. And then the same thing with the, you know, with the alcohol. It used to be, I used to drink a lot of beer. And then, man, you start thinking about it, you're like, I just literally drunk the all the calories that I really need to exist today. And if I add food onto that, then I'm just packing that shit on, right? So don't get me wrong. I love wine. I love cheeses. I love all that kind of stuff. I got a big-ass cellar of wine. But now instead of a bottle a night, it's half bottle once every couple of days, you know? And that's the, pretty much the extent of my drinking. It does help that Alaska did legalize uh, the possession and use uh, of of, uh, cannabis. And um, first time I slept more than three and a half hours at a single stretch in the last 30 years was the first time I had uh, cannabis. And so it's it's kind of a medical thing for me now. It's pretty nice. It's a very, very small dosage. once very late in the evening and down you go and uh i don't have to drink to get to that state anymore so yeah i'm sure uh it being dark for half the year doesn't help with anybody's diets or regimens and things like that that's got to be a a little bit makes it a little bit tougher than per se being on a normal schedule like we have here yeah i mean right all the sensible large Alaska land mammals pack on the pounds in September and then sleep through that shit. But no, here we are. Just keep eating and eating. Yeah, walking around like it's normal, you know. It's dark, I'm going to eat. Yeah, right. It's, that's this, there, it's there's the season. Dark. Stew season is upon us right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, we had some chili today, man. There you go. Good man. Yeah, that's a, every, uh, every Sunday we do a family dinner before we start the show. So tonight nice. We- Chilly night. That's awesome. Yeah, buddy. So, Only family dinner I get all week. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they feed me good. Perfect. Cool, man. So, hey. How, how do people possibly get in contact with you or the lodge you work through to get a guided trip or just some some good fishing? Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I keep cutting you off. Damn. Oh, that that's fine. I just want to hear how people could get a hold of you or maybe get to fish some of the water that you're guiding on. Uh, so Bear Creek Outfitters can be found on the inner tubes uh, at junoflyfishing.com. And uh, that's, how, that's how you would go about booking a trip there. So are you like the sponsored guide for like the local city there then? Uh, like, like guide shop, should I say, outfitter? No, there's you know there's a fly shop here, but we don't work directly with them. Anytime they get calls, they just say, oh, call this number here, you know, go to this website. I, that's our website. So. I think what Mark is saying is, is, is there a sign of you when you drive into town? Oh, there, no. in, in some Sims, no. in some Sims Wouldn't that be waiters? awesome? Everybody would hate me then. And you don't. You guys don't know how many phone calls I've gotten. So over the years, just yeah, just make a sticker that, about it, dude. Over the years of doing of doing extended outreach, like all through the western states, uh, and you know, I'd, I used to go to six and eight sports shows a year uh, and sit in a little booth and tell people about you know both Pebble Mine and the Tongas and stuff like that. So I've been doing sports shows for 
you know, the better part of 13 years now and talking to folks in industry and talking to folks at fly shops and do, you know, telling them about some of the stuff that's going on up here. So I've met quite a few people in the, uh, in the fly fishing world. And the first time that photo, one of the photos came out to the, so in, in uh, late September is when those were released to the guide community. And it was just, it was, looking back on it was funny, but it was kind of terrifying at first because my friends were like, dude, every time I walk into the shop, I have to see you. Not cool. <laughs> and other, you Not know, other cool. friends are like, I don't even want to open my email anymore, dude. What's the deal, you know? I don't even really know you, but every time I open Instagram, you're the first thing I see. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get on that and change that because that's a horrible thing to subject anybody to. I'm terribly sorry. You got you to gotta pass the limelight. You're like, all right, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> that's every, every time you, sh- you walk into a fly shop, Rush Limelight should play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to ask the, the guy at the fly shop, every time I walk in, Cue this music. Play this now. Oh, speaking of that, what did you guys play for the for the the intro or the on the call or before you called me or did you? Um, I don't think we did music before the call. Oh but we, man, we, I heard Riches. Like I listened to you guys' podcast last week, and I was thinking, oh man, that'd be really cool. I really want to know what they play. Uh, we opened the show with Social Distortion. Oh, there you go. There and you uh, go. a little Ace Ventura skit. Excellent. So. If there's anything you want us to play uh, during our last segment, man, shoot shoot a couple uh, songs out. We'll play them. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Where they listen to in Alaska? <laughs> so you know, there's one there's one tune that I used to throw on uh, before I was taken when I used to uh, drive. Haha, everywhere now I just fly there, right? But, uh, <laughs> when there were roads, <laughs> is that before the yeah. Sims pitcher? Is that what you mean? You just yeah, fly everywhere yeah. now? <laughs> BS before my beard got an agent and stuff like that. <laughs> no, I did a I did a couple road trips fishing with my pa the last um he's got uh he's got advanced stages Parkinson's now and he's not I mean, casting a flyer out is a pretty tough thing for him now and casting while standing up is probably undoable for him. So we may we may end up getting out fishing again. But uh the last time, the last couple of times we went fishing and hunting together, um, there was a song off the uh, Berenberg, uh, Douglas, Berenberg Douglas Meyer album, Skip Hop and Wobble. You guys know that one? It's easily Googleable. Googleable. And it's called Big Coyote, and it's a bluegrass tune. And Sam Bush plays the mando on it. And that was kind of the, uh, every morning when we get in the car to go to either the hunting blind or, or go out to the river, that was the thing we played, pulling out, you know. So that'd be cool. But yeah, man, definitely. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll hunt for it. Skip hop and wobble, correct? Yeah, it's on the skip hop and wobble, uh, and it's uh, the song's called Big Coyote. Big Coyote. Big Coyote sounds like a river yeah. name we got here. I think it is. I think that's where I think you guys are in the hotbed. I think of that uh, particular music. I love bluegrass. It's really cool. Grew up on it. Great American music. It is good music. And I wish we could see more of it around here. I mean, there's a lot of it. We just don't go and check it out like we should. Yeah. So, all righty, man. Well, hey, we're going to let you get going. Go check out that Seahawks score. Uh, <laughs> I will actually record the game, so I think I'm going to sit right back down at the vice and keep cranking out uh, size 8 Christmas Island specials in all different colors and watch the end of that. So. 
Heck yeah, good luck on that trip down there, man. Hope you uh get into them bones and, and everything else you're trying to get. Right on. Thanks, fellas. This was a lot of fun, man. This is uh I hope uh I hope I don't put anybody to sleep or you know. Hell no, we're Mark was a good talk. Yeah, that uh, shooting that song out to him all the way from way, way over here to the, what, that's damn near halfway around the world, huh? No. You're no Wolfman Jack, man. Let me tell you that. <laughs> hey, I don't... I don't Coming at you with uh, Big Sayota, Wolfman Jack. Every every time I, uh, like, you talk to them in Alaska, people, like, like you said, you dream of it, like, that's... You think, as a kid, I don't know, the more I talk to people, I see it isn't probably what I think it is, but you, what what do you really think of it? You've heard so many stories, you know what I mean? It's like Montana back in the days of A River Runs Through It. When when that movie came out, it's what you want to do, you know? It's I know what you thought fly fishing was. Like, it was always, even my dad, like, you know, his his whole thing was like, man, I, I, I want to go to Alaska someday and go fly fishing, you know? And it... I don't know. Like a cool place to go sometime. I'd like to catch a Dolly Varden. I would. That would be my. Uh, that's the bucket list type of. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, you got people just on cruises. Oh, dude, I can't I got jumped on a cruise so I could come fish here? So Justin got like, to do some fishing oh, like that up there well, off a cruise. A chum on a dry fly? Oh my god! Uh, any eighteen-inch <laughs> trout on a dry fly, dude? I don't. It, I don't discriminate. Like. That's pretty cool, right? In, in my drive five, we made some big foamy thing that we would throw for smallmouth, you or, know, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Uh, different fisheries and and very different from other people we've talked to that have fished in Alaska and guided. And I guess it's it's a world of its own. And I've heard a lot of that. It's that big. Tongue yeah, that is true. That's the big. first we've had that far south in Alaska. Yeah, no, I've heard of the the forest he was talking about there, the Tungas, and that's like a, a big natural resource. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think of. How I pronounced it is is how how I think that the tong Tungas or Tongas. Right, Tongas, right there, right there. You got it. Hit it on the head or the ass, however you like it. But uh, yeah, what we've had Shalacy on. He's a Bristol Bay dude. We've had uh, Brian last week. They're more Bristol Bay. Everyone we've had on uh, that I can think of is Pike. I can't uh, think. I can't Wade. Pull, Wade. We had him on. He's a little he was way north. north. He's yeah, he's way, way north. Yeah. yeah. Way, way north. Uh, just a, just a, what? A really adverse fishery. Everywhere you go up there is something different. You can go bead the trout if, or, or if you're in the, 
catching hundreds of fish, there's a place for you. Or if you're into throwing spinners and do hammering down and filling truck beds, there's a place for you. Or dry flies for you know what I mean dollies. So that, that's a pretty cool thing. One thing we didn't ask him about and didn't even cross my mind until this very moment was grayling. Do they get into that? I, I don't know. He didn't mention. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. It's it. To me, he seemed like that's more. I don't know. It's it's more wild there. You you know what I mean? If you're not having, you know, you don't got the big returns. You don't got, you know what I'm saying? It's it's more of a, a based on how life's going fishery. Yeah, man. Versus go, we're going to the Kenai and it's stellar. There's a, a banner year. You can fish all areas are open. You know what I mean? A lot of a lot of different stuff offered, and and he he didn't really sound like. That was the case. It was just sound like somebody who likes to go out and catch the fish like I do that are there, that are his home fishery. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Like like I said, that's like you with the hybrids or the walleye or whatever's in Local. at the time. Well, what, what, yeah, when I show time. up on the water, what what are we catching, you know? What time of year? Yeah, a lot of times. At the time. Yeah. What's running at the time? Like you were talking about a lot of, like, even with the pike biting, a lot of, or like you say, they'd be the first thing to bite because they're the first thing to come off oh, yeah, they're, go to their spawn. They're definitely gonna be if if they do start becoming like prevalent in your area, they're gonna boom. You know what I mean? There's gonna be no slow to that. And like he said, he don't want them in that area. So, Mark opens a beer, foam, and and you can't see it, but it looks great. (laughs) (laughs) Sound effects. Look at us. Get we're, some on your we're beard. We're working bud. on sound effects here. We're big time. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Oh, yeah. well <laughs> hit, anyway, I'm I'm gonna, you know, go back to some hunting. Yeah, we're, we're, we're I want to jump hunting. back into this is because I got a couple of those queued up for you too. Well, this moment's <laughs> archery talk and uh, uh, the rut. The rut is on. Deer are definitely on their feet. Like said uh, earlier, I was I was having you know great great success with seeing deer this week. Uh, Monday a good encounter. Later in the week, had some more deer come by me, seeing smaller bucks, you know. But like said, I I, sh- I took a shot at a deer and didn't get penetration. I don't think that deer is going to die, and it sucks. I followed it for a mile, <laughs> no doubt about it. Yesterday, spent hours looking for it, even went back today, and, and the heartache that I have, it, it sucks, you know. And, and hopefully that deer just makes it and lives to either become bigger or some, somebody else harvest them, or maybe I can get another crack at them, but... I've seen some real cool deer. The only cool bad deer. thing, do you think, did you say, talk about him getting gangrene? Uh, that's not, that's not always so a somebody possibility. somebody would maybe shoot that deer if it did, because a lot of that yeah. does happen. Like, we're looking at a wound, they'll survive. Well, somebody will shoot them later on in deer season and, and gun season. Dude, and any, they'll shoot that deer and it'll have gangrene. Any, you know, not every wounded deer gets infected and it, you know it's just a thing it depends i'm sure they can clean it just like a dog would by licking it up and like that deer had grazed it it licked its wound immediately he knew what to do so they're smart man they're they're smart and they're tough i'll tell you that but you know to go from you know being thinking you have a deer in like a bird in hand and and then it just be gone and you never catch up to him it, it sucks man because that's definitely heartache upon heartache and I, I think about it that moment is etched in my in my memory no doubt about it so i don't know it's, it sucks but you're now you're gonna out get back out and try like hell to not wound these fuckers or or make any mistakes and you're always waiting for that that moment you know what i mean when the red light goes 
goes green, like that's there was a reason for that. That's because all stars aligned and things like that. You know what I mean? You're not just out there flinging arrows at shit. It's it's not not recommended. And there's a lot of new archery people that don't probably adhere to that. Just use it as a as an experience to make you better. Oh, dude, it's you know I'm 20 years in. I'm learning this. Yep, yeah, I'm learning shit for more than the second and third time over and over because. Every situation is different. Reacting under pressure is not always easy. You know, having ice in your veins. I used to think I, I was one of those guys, but man, and, <laughs> yeah, you could really, you could really, you could really fuck up out there quick, and it's all a matter of a, you know, one. I wouldn't even say a bad decision, man. Just dice doesn't roll roll your way. It's just gonna happen. Can happen to anybody. So, poo poo. Thanks for the thanks for the encouragement there, Jason. Hey, Ball Brian, it's not funny when you laugh at your own drops. <laughs> yeah, and then to add insult to injury, I go whiff on a, on another buck the same day, a decent deer, and went back out this morning because I like to punish myself, man. I'm a I'm a glutton for it. I'll, I'll keep doing this shit until it's gun season or I can hammer me a big one. So I'll keep on plugging away. But I I could have took some shots at a deer. Whoa, whoa, man. Yeah, I definitely could have took a shot on some does and things like that. Seen a smaller, maybe seven point this morning, but nothing big. So back, right back to sitting my ass in that stand, dude. I have sat there for plenty of hours, but I have seen the deer. So how many bucks is that this week you've seen? I four on Saturday, one today. That's five, six. I had a few deer walk by me right at dark the other night. I think might have been bucks. So upwards of eight to ten different bucks this week all within see the crazy part is it is okay i'm hunting different woods that's all separated by town roads and highways and things like that and all these deer can potentially be in each spot it's it's nuts man it's they want to jump a road one time go under a bridge or you know what i mean a hot doe's here and they're all gonna be around Game over. That's what it's gonna be Game for the over, for the next one I see. Hopefully it's big because when you start, you know, you start getting down, you 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 don't want to shoot a little buck. You gotta wait. That's the name of the game. If you want to get bigger bucks, pass the littler ones up. That's all I could tell people, right? Because ultimately you gotta wait for the deer to get bigger to shoot them yeah man if you want big bucks anyway so don't shoot them little ones or don't squeeze on the first one you see it's it's prime right right now though uh i talked to some guys the other day they were in town from massachusetts to hunt and they were like oh what's going on i'm like nothing i'm like yeah i'm like well i said i said there's no rut but that was a few days ago before we had a cold snap i said the deer you know bucks aren't chasing does i haven't really seen that yet and but definitely that you know that's all changing we've shorter days and this big cold front push through things really changed in the last few days to where if there's does around bucks are probably going to be you know if they're not on their ass they're going to be wandering around lurking trying to enter or just to smell that trail what's going on what's this piss smell like is it hot is it cold what my uncle was telling me when he was hunting that deer the one he shot um he actually made grunting sounds a couple bleat sounds to get this deer to come back to him to actually mm-hmm. get the shot on that deer and he said like he said it was all swolled up and he said it smelled and oh it's awesome when you can communicate he with said he deer. watched a scrape and everything yeah i've seen it i watched a deer hit a scrape 
Watch a lot of deers piss and shit. Like rutting <laughs> bucks are stinky dudes, man. Yeah. yeah, they're like a high school locker room, like a high school football locker room. A lot of testosterone. A lot of testosterone. A lot of stinky dude smell. Yeah, you know? I, I hit I hit the deer a deer I seen with the this. The wheeze, the snort wheeze, the other day, and, and he kind of he kind of came back <laughs> around, dude. I didn't, I haven't really, I rattled a little bit this week, and I I, that all the I time. haven't had any, you know what I mean? I haven't had deer come into rattling, and I don't, I ain't gonna say is not, maybe nothing was around, you know what I'm saying? But I I tried a few setups where I rattle, but nothing to that. I don't know. I don't. I do blind call a little bit, but anymore, the more and more I hunt, I make no noise. Sometimes, especially if deer are present, like. Shut your, shut your mouth. Don't hit that call. Put that shit back in your pocket. You're going to ruin the moment. You're going to kill the vibe for that deer. I had a question about, um, you know, your rule first and all the laws and rules and everything, regulations. Um, burr, 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 burr. No, for, uh, <laughs> no, I know, uh, well, we have, what, a week of turkey that opens up during? Yeah, that, no, actually, uh, Are you allowed, turkey just came in yesterday well, in Pennsylvania. PA, can you Saturday. shoot, can you shoot, I don't know, in our, in, in our section? Either sex you, only. Bow, crossbow, shotgun, Doesn't even matter. rifle. Rifle also. Oh, really? In, Doesn't matter. in any caliber. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's we were, me and my brother-in-law were talking about it, and I said, you can whack one of them with your bow. He said, they didn't specify in our thing. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. It tells you long bow, shotgun. It, it tells he, you they all specified the in the book. Use. And two other uh, um, WMUs, sections, yeah, uh, like B and yeah, whatever cert- it was. Certain and areas, and what are we A one or something? Yeah, certain one areas are gonna be shotgun only. Yeah. Oh, and, that's why. They, that's that's wh- why they say shotgun. Okay, mm-hmm. they didn't specific because you could just shoot them with whatever. Well, see, gotcha. our I'll all, let them know. All of our hunting, except for mountain areas, and this was before WMUs and things like that. All of our fall turkey hunting was shotgun only. Mm-hmm. Except for mountain areas, you could shoot like two, two, two different smaller caliber rifles for turkey up there in two F or wherever it's at now, Forest Counties, things like that. Even when I was archery hunting, you could whack them with a bow if they came. Always up. with a bow, yeah. yeah. Open season with a bow, and uh, I don't know. The only only rules on that is like there ain't none. Don't shoot them out the trees. You. Rednecks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know how you do. You're like, we get up early, extra early. We'll see them. There's no leaves. Or if it snows, oh, hell breaks loose, man. Now, I've been I've been on some cool fall turkey hunts. I kind of miss all that stuff, dude. Deer hunting drags you Fall down, turkey's fun. Man. Oh, oh, yeah, you can actually, well, if you break you them that. up and then you yeah. try to call them back together. Yeah, you find out where they're roosting the night before even. It's, when it's, they fly down, you break uh, them up. Oh, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or don't Jason even don't even it. let them fall down. Go break them up. Go pound one out of the tree or don't and then break <laughs> them up. And then you know you at least getting one. But, you know what I mean? You could hunt. It's legal to hunt with a dog also in yeah. fall turkey and PA. Yeah, once you break them up. I always thought you... about wanting to get my dog to do that. That'd be a pretty cool feat. That I would think, be cool. you know, to... Wait. <clears throat> you break them up and then let the dog dogs sense, chase them. sense them. And they're going to circle and try to reconnect, just like oh, yeah, turkeys sure, always sure. do, yeah. you know? So it just runs it like a rabbit. Yeah, even like when you break them out of the roost. Yeah. They're going to fall down. They'll all start making noises and they're going to try to get back area. together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you could trick one into thinking, you're it. Yeah. You're his bu- old yeah. buddy <laughs> we <where you> just <laughs> broke up dude. the flock with. Yeah. You're Sam and Tammy from Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I I think, I actually, that's one more thing I got to see. Dude, dude waking up in the woods, with, waking up with the woods. Being waking there. up in the woods, I've done that a few times. Yeah, you could be drunk if you want, but 
there's nothing like it, man. And how how the world wakes up out in the woods is is the shit. It is cool. Like I got to hear the turkeys the other day. I got some pictures. Uh, had like eleven gobblers come through one night. Like some ropes too. A couple were jakes, but some serious gobblers. Eleven gobblers. The pack, the rat pack. They had some ropes, but you know that's cool to watch. And you don't always see them, and they're they're wary, dude. You, turkeys, you know, you got scenarios where they're dumb, but they're wary birds, man. They are they are. So Sneaky ninja birds, like they—they they definitely can come through the woods, not rustle a, a leaf, nothing. Like they're cool to watch, but yeah, they're not always clucking and no, and scraping. But leaves. I did—I did get to hear them on the coming out of the roost the other day, and you know that—that's awesome to hear the them <coughs> them birds wake up in the morning. They go nuts, dude. Them hens talking back and forth, and I didn't hear any gobbling, but that you know felt felt like I did hunting you know 15 plus years ago when i used to just bust up in big woods out in mercer county and just they had game everywhere like it's not like that around my house i hunt little patches it's kind of lazy man's work but somebody got to do it got to keep these deer off the road <laughs> you're doing a lord's work Jason. especially the bigger ones <laughs> mainly the bigger ones <clears throat> but that's how my seasons, you know, I have plenty of time left, but damn man, I've been I've been right there, right there, you know, ready to pull the trigger and and not getting it done and you know, you you got to keep keep sucking until you don't, right? So suck until you don't. I'm going to freaking keep sucking and hopefully I'm about close to done. So I'm, I'm tired of it. So speaking of sucking, Mark, you did a little bit of musky fishing. I did some sucking, yep. No, that was <laughs> Absolutely crap to report on there. It was just one of the murky water days where it wasn't quite like muddy, but it was just dark. And it was the creek I was at was right at that level. We typically fish at like four and a half. It was down mm, quite a bit, not quite a bit, but a bit from there. So you couldn't see any of the uh, top of all the log jams and everything underneath. So pretty much for about four hours, just snagged a lot of stuff and stripped over it and Moved absolutely nothing. Fished an intermediate until I broke the tip. I fished in uh, the full sink I have with me until I broke the tip. And then I had to go home. I didn't have anything else to fish. So that's a good lesson as to why to keep your break point with you. Because that's about the only thing I didn't bring. I didn't. I brought sh- put 40, which I thought <coughs> would have snapped before the line with a 50 core. but Or learn to nope. tie nail knot onto the straight end yeah. of the line. What do you mean? I don't, you don't know how to tie the nail knot? I'm not at that point. I'm not messing with that. <laughs> Come on. No. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the the quick way to do it. You leave your line double the fly line. I got a little video that I found crazy on you or not. It wasn't even on YouTube. It was on Facebook. That's what was crazy about it. Somebody posted something I could actually freaking use. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I learned to tie nail knot. Like three years ago, I don't want to tie that bitch on the side of the creek, but seeing people do it with the tool, it, it oh looks the tool super is easy. money, yeah. Or uh, I like to use a straw, like a even like a kid's drink straw, like a little straw like that, and I just cut a couple chunks of them and do a few. Like seems how I have success with it, but yeah, I mean I have the tool I use, but I don't carry it with me for musky. Yeah, no, I've seen a, a slick way where you just it double. It just would have saved you in that situation, you know? 
Well, yeah. you don't want to break your I damn tail. I, no. I don't mind a loop-to-loop. That's usually, I mean, I'll bring a thread and stuff with me, but. Even that, I mean, I know the knot sucks there, but for the rest of the day, I mean, you're not using leaders that are too god-awful long either, I'm sure. And you're not really worrying about figure eight in, in a creek. No. Again, at that point of the day, you were ready to care less. <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah. So you had had zero follows because you couldn't anyway. see, right? No, yeah. z- no follows because you couldn't see, or yeah. bunches of follows you just didn't know about. Nah, I couldn't tell if there was. Sucks. Nope. So was it was it like stained from our heavy rainwater? Well, we had poured two days ago, three days ago. So it was more of a green brown and not not a leaf it all black overcast. Or so you all that water as soon as you come around the bank is straight down four foot. So there's nothing clarity wise. It's just straight dark right off the bank. You haven't fished that but it spot. Wasn't, it's not tannic dark, it's it's muddy darker. It was real murky. You haven't fished that spot in what a few months now, huh? Yeah, at least. I kinda kept going further away with it too. Just 'cause it's getting it's getting way too much pressure off top right now. I keep forgetting where you are. You're traveling so much north, so much south. Okay, I know where you are now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah, I've been moving around a lot. Got a couple, nice little weekend playing too to another creek that we'll be hitting. Yeah, man, we got quite a musky uh, trip planned for next week. It sounds yeah. like it. Yeah, I start vacation for a few days next week, so I'll be I'll be fishing five days in a row. Stoked for that. Yeah, man. Get through this week of work. Time to fish. What, Thursday we're doing more deer tails? That's Ooh, why I want to kill that damn deer and put my tag on it so I can go enjoy some fishing time. Yeah, man. Like, I, I'm not opposed to hunting all the time. I love hunting, but, boy, it feel good to just be like, I don't have to obligate my time to... Your freezer's full. Yeah, I know. <laughs> sit back, kick my feet up, wake up late one day. That, that'd be great. That, you know what I mean? Hell, I'll even go get skunked fishing. That'd be cool, too, with you guys or something. I'd call you guys if I want to do that, right? Hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> Hit me some fucking... <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Hold on. I want to hear... I want to hear... I got some shit queued up. Figure two, literally. And, uh, I want to hear about Chad's uh, little experience. Oh, it was Halloween this week. Did yeah. everybody enjoy themselves? Did, did you, you get, take your, did you get candy? Hollow? Did she run around? Mm, I didn't go, no. They got it done, though? She, she did? Yeah. Oh, we got mad bag candy, dude. Candy? We got Where do they go, Mercer? Hermitage. Hermitage. Oh, we got pounds of candy. Pounds. Um, Did you go um, over to Hubbard? No, I ended up just uh, doing like real local, my house and like my block, and then just across the new, uh, the next neighborhood has more housing. Across the highway there. Yeah, dude. It, yeah. They they hook it up. We was getting like full size candy bars, like real shit. They got like a haunted house over there. Was it on the they actual do have day? A haunted house over there. Dude, yeah. my kid was about to cry. <laughs> oh, he was yeah. he's like, and, and he's did this for the last two years. I'm like, get the fuck over it, dude. Get over it. What happened last year? You were fine. <laughs> yeah, well no, they you're spoon. still here. When yeah. you, and listen, here's the shit of it right here, okay. Okay, it's it's on Elm Street. <laughs> That's the name of the road. Okay, <laughs> so so these people have like the most serious decorations. They got a a guy out there running a chainsaw, like like serious like saw outfits, and you know what I mean. Like they're doing it up. They these people enjoy Halloween and it's their time. They have fog making machine out there. Like it's lit in front of their house. People are taking pictures and. It, it's a commotion. It's causing a scene. It, it is. <laughs> it's causing it, a scene. Yeah, man. Like, 
You like kids? Did Freddy out live on bed. Elm Street? Or was Jason, Nightmare Jason. on Elm Street, bro. Nightmare Jason on Elm Street, Freddy, right? Yeah. No, it's it's just one of them things they do every year, and my kid has not adjusted. So, yeah, that was fun. But we did get sacks of candy. It was good stuff. Was it on the same? Was it on on the day where it was raining? Yeah, and oh, shitty it was rough. And it kinda, windy and it, listen, that day was nasty. I hunted that morning, and got rained on, but it got breezy. It got nasty, and there was just enough of a break where there was not like downpouring rain. There was a little bit of spitting, but it was nasty out gray. A little. It was warm though. It was actually still warm. That was before that cold weather pushed in, and yeah. we enjoyed it. It was like sixty. It was like sixty degrees, and we we enjoyed it. it as we didn't get wet, you know what I mean? We had a fun time. Yeah, man. Uh, like you say, I, where'd you go? Sure. We went downtown Middlesex. I was out in a... Better uh, late than never? Yeah. A, uh, <laughs> b- b- a rain jacket and just a t-shirt. Yeah, I just had a rain jacket just on because I'm growing up. It. it was nice. But So we were out trick-or-treating. You know, we were walking down Main Street, you know? And, <laughs> and for whatever reason it is, any morning, anytime now, you see adults carrying Yeti cups at functions. We're drinking beer. It's alcohol. Or some kind of alcohol is we're, in that cup. We're yeah. drinking beer. I I had three high lifes <laughs> in my Yeti cup. <laughs> so my wife handed me something, and I just set my cup down, and I I held whatever she wanted me to hold it, whatever it was. I think it was a bag of candy or something, and you know I I gave it back to her. I picked my cup up. And we started walking down, trick-or-treating. We went the whole way, the rest of the way down Main Street, turned around, came back the other side of Main Street. Uh, our wa- Jay and Mai's wife went into uh, some church to get hot dogs, because this church always makes hot dogs. But they Hell were, yes, dude. I love eating those hot dogs. They were inside this time because it's, it was raining. So our wives went in. We were... Drinking out of the Yeti cup, drinking beers, you know, because that's what you do when you're in front of a church. Oh yeah, yeah, especially <laughs> I want my hot dog, right? So we uh we go down to the end of or down to the the main intersection in West Middlesex, make the uh make the right, like we're gonna head down toward the high school, and we get right in front of uh, our buddy's house, Mike's house, and um I have my uh. My Yeti cup wrapped in between my elbow pit, like, and it'd be on my my jacket pocket, like, in the the crux of my arm. And I'm eating this hot dog with both hands. You just like a monster. And then I reach down and grab my cup again. I'm like, oh my god, oh what's this? Did you spill it all in your pocket? Oh no, I felt it on the bottom of the cup, and then it was all over my hand. And I looked over. Ketchup? What? No, it wasn't ketchup. One could only wish for ketchup. I got the poo on me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jeff. Did you set your cup down and shit? When I set my cup down on the middle of Main Street on the walk down, I what? must have set it in dog do. <laughs> like what? The sidewalk? I I set it in the grass. I set oh, it in the grass and I didn't even look. Wow. So I had walked with dog dude the entire way Bucko. down Main Street and That's back. Nasty man. <laughs> so luckily we were in front. <laughs> and you just touched it. 
Luckily, we were, and I was eating a hot dog, and it was rubbing all over me. You're just holding <laughs> shit in the crooks of your arm, huh? And just carrying it. What the fuck? Wow. How does this happen? <laughs> that, that was the best drop. And yeah. That was a yeah. good one. Woo! And I have really bad. He's on I fire have, over here. Listen, I have really bad luck, but I'm. I, I my cup has not been dipped in shit. My coffee cup, whether it had coffee or whatever in it, it it just not got dipped in shit yet. So you, you win, bud. So I I took it inside of my friend's house, washed it off, washed my jacket off, washed my hand off, continue to drink high life's out of it the entire rest of the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's shitty beer. I guess you can put it in a shitty cup, huh? Literally shitty cup. The shetty, <laughs> the shetty. Yeah. That's a customized edition there, huh? The couple stickers and some shit around the bottom. Now you're yeah, going to carry that around with you for, like, the rest of God knows how long. Did you put it in the dishwasher yet? No, I I, uh, I left it in my pickup truck until last night, and then I washed it with dish soap and took it fishing this morning. bleach on that fucker. <laughs> no, no bleach. Ah, dog, dog shit, it washes off easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys today... You guys really should have uh, drove that extra 15 minutes and went and fished another trip. We should trip. have just drove two and a half hours this morning. Less, and just less than no, two we, hours and stayed the no, hell I home. I should have just went to New York and left at like yeah. one o'clock in the morning. Uh, no, everything's blown. Uh, i seen a giant fish come out of there. It was awesome. I'm sure. Out of, out, of a, hours. out of a bigger river, gonna, yeah, yeah, you're gonna see that. But, <clears> but no, but I have been motivated. I did. Uh, I did end up making phone calls. It's apparent it's steelhead season. If everybody don't know it, we which got, which means there's an onset of Lakers about to run. We got. Well, we got. We got. We got everything all worked out. We got our two rooms all set up. They ended up calling me back and said one room will have three beds and everything. So same price. I was like, oh, awesome. And you fishermen. Yeah, we're fishermen. Hey, extra discount. Awesome. Awesome sauce. So, yeah, all set up. I was actually motivated. Look at me. Captain Motivation over here. So was that the weekend of December 3rd? Now get you a guide and boat fish. What are you talking about? I already have a guide. No, boat for boat fishing. Oh, hell with that. I don't, I don't want to boat fish. That means we, we are not having a show that weekend. The weekend of December 3rd. Just so everyone knows. That is the first weekend week. before that will be the tying night, November twenty second. Yes, it will. Yeah. And uh I've been getting some messages about the tying night. So if yeah. if anyone's I talked interested, to a kid about it the other day and uh he was somewhere local. He had like a Kennedy shirt on and stuff, so So that means he could be from anywhere from here to South Africa. Well no. He, <laughs> he was he was like he was like You're Sharpsville. Right. Amen. <laughs> He's like Sharpsville or something, but you know what I mean. Local to our area, and and uh, I said, yeah, we have a fly tie. He didn't night. talk to you Check with clicks and stuff. Nah, <laughs> no, he wasn't popping and clicking. Okay. <laughs> Some of those kids that go there are, but uh, no, chat. We had, we did uh, got hit up on the SVS page. Um, there's a dad from Greenville. You probably might know. You might remember his name off right offhand. Off negative the, off the intro webs, but uh. No, he talked about his his, his son. He actually like putting you on the spot. Well, there. he, he, he sure. I said Chad, Chad has a, it all. Chad would probably more likely remember it than what I would. This is what I was trying to say. Chad read the uh, comment. No, but he uh, he. I'm he impressed said, you remember to get here on time on Sunday. Okay, but he so he, he so. was talking about his he, he was talking about his son. 
he wants to get his son into fly fishing a little more and get in, in the tying. He said he told his son if he fills his fly box, Derek Smith, if he if he fills his fly box up, he can go, you know, and go up and go fishing with him on his yearly trip that he takes. You know what I mean? And that at that age, man, that's awesome because our dads used to take us up there. Up, I up didn't have to like fill that, a fly box young, up. No, we didn't have catch to do some that. night crawlers, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but we had to fill the nightcrawler bucket up. We got, you know, we were we doing some work. And I think it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to see the kid and help him tie a couple of flies. I'm definitely gonna bring some egg yarn. Should egg, whatever, you know. Yeah, that's how you definitely start. You know? Brassy man, man make some brassy eggs. is where it's at, dude. They work. Yeah, gotta, I've caught steelhead on well, the head brassies and just the main stuff thing like to that. learn with the fly tying at first is to effectively <clears> put the thread a buzzer on, on a the buzzer. hook because when you learn to actually lock in material the right way, don't no matter it be yarn for a, you know an egg fly or what it be, once you learn to do that right, then then that's where you can build off of. It's just all learning to manipulate what material you're using and 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 but but getting it on the right way and and using the thread the right way. I, you know that's the basis. Whether it's light thread for yarn or a little bit heavier oh, thread I, for for bucktail. What are you talking about? Yeah. I use GSP for my fucking yarn flies. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just joking. One fifty. Sure, one fifty. Right. Come on. Too. I'm sure he do. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. But. Yeah, it, it's gonna you know it'll be fun you know get somebody young in there and it's hey tell his dad to sit right down beside him start tying too it's have fun exactly man like I said I if anyone is at all interested in coming it's let, us, it's, let us know because we can it's uh, youth friendly we can rustle up some vices too you know between the the four of us we can we can rustle some vices up between us and friends we know so we uh, if you have any kids that want to come and try it out we're more than willing. I got a bunch of egg hooks. I guarantee you, I will never use again. I got like a. Oh, you're gonna definitely donate those to our Niagara trip. <laughs> <laughs> I got the starter pack, like yeah. like when you buy your your get started vice, and all the the, the hooks come with it. It's like a the get one X streamer hook, and all this this and that, all the way down to the pupa egg hooks and. No, I, that's what I, that's how I started, dude. I ain't going to lie. I started right from the bottom. Didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I was like, oh, sure. Jason, I'm going to buy one of those fly tire kits there. And that's how I started. Tie me too. up some shit, some jigs yep. and stupid shit. I still got some of this shit. Man, it looks ridiculous. Bought a kit from Cabela's. Me too. I bought a kit from Cabela's, the magazine. I don't even. Mine was probably just cheap eBay or some crazy shit. But, but nonetheless, learned on it with every... Material out there. I think mine was from Cabela's also. I just remember, you know, sitting even like we were always just. Our thing was, but with learning to steelhead at first, a lot harder now than it was back then. I swear, I could tie up anything on a fucking hook back then. It felt like and just it would just maim the fish. Everything would work back then for but some like, reason. You know, you would white sucker spawn. You, oh my god! Once gosh. you learned to even catch the fish on the fly in the beginning, you then you your next thing was like, man, I want to tie the fly myself and trick the fish no and that's where i think it all just that process it gets your in your head it gets started you know and you're like man i wonder if i could trick this fish too and then we were getting smart <laughs> but yeah like i said i love catching fish on the flies that i thought in to a detriment a detriment to myself i think because i'm not as willing to fish other people's flies you know that's a curse I do the same thing, but 
this year, it didn't matter who's fly. That's the one thing I was like, I don't care who's at it. I just care what color it is, how I feel, what color I should fish. Color is all that I based everything on and sometimes size, but let's fish the right <laughs> color. What are you, you going to believe what color is going to work today, right? It's all about what they want, right? Yeah, man. Can't always be white or can't always be black. I threw crazy shit. But more natural colors this year than I would always fish the pink last year, you know? Well, you look, you threw a lot of dark colors this year. Oh, yeah. Black works. Yeah. I feel like it helps. I like the black this year a lot, too. Yeah, but once you once you watch it happen so many times. Always throwing black. Once you watch it happen so many times, then you got to kind of, you don't need to see it. You don't need to see it working, you know what I mean? Like. That's that was one thing I had to come up on for to fish darker flies. I had to understand that how I'm fishing, it's right. It's doing the right thing because I can't see it. Everybody wants to see that bite, right? Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. Oh no. I no. just want to feel it. As long yeah. as it happens, I just want to feel it. It's see, nice it's when fun. you see it, yeah. but I just want to feel it. That's all. I want to be stripping and I want to feel that line just go completely, just hammer and start pulling, and then strips at it. Nope. I'm good. I, I don't you know mind. what half the time? I mean, I've gotten well, better. I, now, over the last... Not bad hook sets what I see of that shit. Over the last couple of years now, it's gotten better, and I know to wait to let them turn, and it's... But for the first couple of years, if I saw a hook set, I'd pull out with the mouth every time. And nah. once you do it enough, and you do it six, eight, ten times, you're like, all right, well, I'm sick of losing fish. Give, now, it, you give know, it two seconds Wait till you see him. his tail. Yeah, as soon as you see that fish's tail, then strip him, because he's already away from you at that point, but... Sometimes you go a long period of time in between that happening too. Yeah, but in in you know, and on the other side, I I live to see that. I live to see that thing get hammered. That's that's one of my things. When the water's warm, why not make them do it as a, as big as they can do it? You know what I mean? I the, one of the last fish I ran into, I recall here right at the beginning of October, down there. I got a few one day, but the last trip I went, I had a fish just pulverize my fly like knock it out of water didn't hook up caught a fish the next cast but it wasn't the same fish was it black or white fly it was white <laughs> no it was, it was all white warm water wise next thing we have to look for is big streamers for smallmouth spring comes around but we have all winter to strip streamers for, yeah. for brown it, trout muskies if you knew where some big trout. ones were now, that's the time trout. to catch them, right? You could be by yourself while we're stripping streamers from brown trout. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> I'll go back yeah. yeah, I will definitely be fishing solo a lot that this winter. It gets tough, though, that time. It's I mean, tough for anything. Anything is hard. You gotta fish slow, slow, slow. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, lot, the more we talk to people, especially locally, about you know what we're fishing here, you, you learn you gotta slow it down a little bit. You're right; it's not Arkansas in, in, in December. It's it's Pennsylvania in December, and it's a little different. It's a little colder. It's a lot colder. <laughs> you know, so you gotta probably gotta dial it back a little. You know, something a little smaller, thinner, a little slower. Me just dancing on the bottom consistently, something jiggish. I mean, we still gotta. Uh, I mean, we're 52 right now, but it's cold. I mean, we're getting into the 30s oh, yeah, now overnight. So, I mean, we still got a few more weeks of being able to move at pretty decent speed. And my then, feet were freaking freezing today. Oh, yeah. And I got holes in my waders, dude. My, I felt like I was stepping on pins and needles. You said you drove through snow to get there. What the hell, man? Yeah, man. It was cold. 
Well, I'm not talking temps up there in the creek, though, too. I'm sure then we're probably upper 40s. The, yeah. Mid-40s. Uh, mid-40s, yeah, is what it was. Yeah. Yep. It was it was, co- yeah, it was colder outside than it was in the water. But it was still cold with your feet in the water. <laughs> Did you hear that, Jace? Doesn't oh, matter whether your fish black or white. I know, dude, but <laughs> they're both equally as good day to, for me. I, I would never, I would never, if somebody tied, you know, two flies and handed me a black or white one, I couldn't decide. Dude, that's how I feel now versus being like, oh, white, white, oh, white, white. Just give me white. But for steelhead, yeah, I'll take a white one. I'll just take a white one for sure. But for hybrids, you're... Yeah, white or black's fine. It doesn't matter. I think I think they get a. How about some zebra stripes? Yeah, no, I fished a fly that Mark abandoned a long time ago. I think it was a little pike fly he tied. It was a, uh, it was, Rapella original Rapella color fashion, white bottom, black top with a just like what, the hell was it a, some kind of zonker, like, black zonker top, craft fur, white bottom. It smoked fish, dude. Crushed him. Wait. When the natural. Did, when did winter season all of a sudden become stripping streamer for brown season? Just all the last year? I've never musky fished over the winter. The last two years. We did, up until this past you year. You got to know. Or when was the I Halloween? Did a one winter, maybe. When was that fish you caught? That was November, right? The fish you posted the other day. The, the transformer. Yeah, that, that was a November fish. That was after a Lucero show. But I never went. I, oh, I, I guess I always thought, yo, maybe I did fish solo lock that much. Yeah. Because I did fish through all every winter. You mad I guess, Mark. yeah. You, no, man. I, Nobody no, got to come fishing with you for you to fish, do good, okay? If I'm going to fish a warm water fish. I was just kind of thinking about, I guess that was probably because of like Tuesdays and being off work that, yeah, I was fishing yeah. all them solo. If I'm going to do thinking a warm water fish, fish, I'm going to do it in the warm water. <laughs> That's true, yeah, because thinking back on all them fish, I was. I was holding in front of the GoPro or something, yeah. Yeah, all right. So, so ain't I, it I, a little proceed, bit easier? Proceed as normal. <laughs> Chat it. Isn't it a little I, bit easier when it's warmer? But I will say this: I, I just like a variety of fish, man. I, there, you have one life. Fish it well, like Sim says. Just, I don't mm-hmm. want to be tied down to just one single fish. You know, if today's the best day to go catch a brown trout, let's go do that. If tomorrow's the next day to go catch a musky. Let's go do that as well. All yeah. around. All I'm going to fish a fish. I'm going to give it everything. Nah, I'm, I'm come mid-September, <laughs> I'm in the musking. And come May, I'll start back over but you're in gonna, the smallmouth. You're going to fish shit water for muskies, even if it's good water for brown trout. Yeah. Okay. God bless you. Yeah. I hope you bang your head against the wall. And <laughs> but, <laughs> not, the, but the uh, difference is... We can go trout fishing we've, a we've ton. Over this nine There's million months. Million there are months of fishing. I don't want to catch a brown trout, so God, what would I do? God what, bless you. What else is there, then? <laughs> Bigger, big brown trout, Mark. Nah, they're <laughs> all fun. Uh, but uh, but like I said, I, I feel like here, you look how long you can catch a trout. Look how long you can catch a steelhead. Look how long you can catch a muskie. And so you ain't got to designate any, like, okay, right now... If you're a, a serious hunter and you hunt PA, the season's gonna go out in two weeks. You gotta take your vacation. I mean, you gotta spend your time there, like fishing. Realistically, like winter-wise, the only thing you're time. gonna do is you're gonna catch brown trout on streamer. You're gonna catch musky, or you're gonna nymph trout, stock trout. Here, 
Yeah, outside of that, there's I mean, maybe a little bit of walleye fishing here and there, things oh, going on like that. February. Well, I mean, along the lake shore right now, they're casting off rock areas, fish are coming near shore, uh, even inland lakes, guys are serious about that shit. They're out praying vertical jigging right now on some boats and doing some things with fall techniques and taking some walleye, but... The guys I talked to are out wading again, hitting the same spots that the fish come up in the shores to feed, you know, in the spring. So the the walleye fishing starting to pick up. That, but that's that's local stuff. Some people only fish here, and that's what they're doing. That's that's what's on the menu, and a lot of guys definitely want to catch fish to eat. I do. It's been a while though. Yeah, it's kind of. Really ever leave here through the winter? Ah, uh, we we are cold outside, and it's supposed to even get what some rain here a little bit later in the week. Are we there or something? I think they're forecasting a few days of rain turn to turn to a rainy rainy November. So better get these last couple nice days in. I think it's supposed to be nice Monday, Tuesday, and rain Wednesday. So yeah, and that's the tough part when you come into winter this time of the year. Is a lot of the smaller creeks that you can get musky in, or just they're so high and cold, it's hard to get deep into them. Cold is the problem. Fish yep. are starting to slow down. Where if it was low and cold, it wouldn't be that hard because you can go in and work a lot of that well, sets and slow. Give them a choice at an easy meal, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. But yeah, I just think it's nights getting like they are. There's ice on all the every puddle. You know what I mean? I drove down down through this area, a bunch of puddles on this railroad, and uh, definitely froze over. So. So I was supposed to go musky fishing tomorrow with my dad, and my wife. My wife, she saw the uh, forecast. The, the forecast. She said, "Fuck you guys! I'm not going into cold." What is it? Fifty some? Forty some? I don't know. It's, it's high mid fifties. I think they said forty five today or something for the high. But that that's here. It was fifty some yesterday. It was actually a pretty nice day yesterday. It warmed up good. It was cold start. Uh, last two mornings felt like twenty seven. With temps 36, 34, something like that. Yeah, I've been... No, d- no, not that one, Jay. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> Come on! So where, where were you thinking, heading north? Yeah, I was thinking about heading north, but my wife said no, and I told my dad, I said, Hey, old man, I'm not dragging my drift boat an hour north to uh, to fish with you dragging gear. Shit around in the wind? Yeah, shit around, around in, in the, wind. the wind, you dragging gear because you don't know how to throw bait casters like a champ, uh, you can throw them, just not like... Like a champ. Like a champ. I got you. In the wind, with me rowing a drift boat for an hour, you know, I was like, oh, we're not doing that. We're not doing it with one person just doing that stuff. If we had two people doing it, it would be a different uh, different scenario. Should... So I'm... Nah, I guess, I guess the... we got an influx of water on rivers right now, so well, floating I'm... some areas might be out of... I'm taking the uh, the time... I'm gonna try to finish my boat, my uh, my John boat tomorrow. I got the deck in. I made a trolling motor mount on Saturday at work. Uh, so all I gotta do is figure out some storage units. You're trolling. You're just, you're just like a transom mount style trolling motor. Or? It's a bow mount. Oh, you got foot control. Oh, okay. And I the get, real deal. What did you just build? Like a small platform for it, or your whole front platform hooked right to that? I made up uh, a square box out of some shelving unit material that I took from work. 
So so it just sits up front, like on just top up of front it. And I'm gonna I'm screw it into the deck, and then I'm gonna carpet over top of all of it. Mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah, you're gonna be the guy that kills the motor, runs up to the front, pulls the string. Yeah. Yes, I son. See I see you. I see you doing it. In a 12 foot boat, the whole front deck is seven feet. So. It's what like, did you just three foot on the back or? It's like a disco dance floor, man. And then I'm gonna have a. a but two, I mean, you I'm gonna have a two and a half foot deck in the back too. Two and a half foot. And then there's just gonna be like one little nectar. Or like cove where you put your feet, because I'm gonna have a rod locker on the left side of the boat. Yeah, that that uh definitely be enough to lay down if you need to, enough room to lay down when the when the fishing gets too tough. Yeah. Shoot, man. So outside of that, you guys got skunked. Mark got skunked. Yeah. I got skunked. Damn. That's terrible. Freaking terrible. That's a that's a tough week, if, if I'd say so. But I I I learned a bunch of shit. I don't know what you guys. <laughs> Overall, I, I learned how to complain. get beat. I had. I, I got five muskies in October. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, that's that a good, good month. month. Is that is Hell that yeah. that's all your muskies all year though, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the comes out and pulls yeah. a, a musky tober. Dude, we're we're pumped though. We're like you said, we got a we got a musky trip coming up next weekend. You're gonna be spending some time out there a few days in a row. So you, you know, yeah, you get some good I'm gonna time. Have five going. days in a row on them, so and I'm ready. You better you better go learn the the beast fish for next year, man. Yeah. It might not be a bad yeah. idea to spend one day up there. Not maybe not on the lake, but at, around that area. Uh, I'll probably head up there in the winter. This winter, maybe a nice little drive up before it freezes here <coughs> soon. No, after it freezes. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm just saying. Freeze. Well, not that. Not rivers, not outflows, but lake-wise, there's no. probably still some fish that are eat on that lake because there was that day apparently. No, no yeah, doubt about fish that. that. Fish that outflow after it freezes. Yeah. Because then that yep. still be open and running. Oh, sure. Once it starts getting down low and it gets real, real cold, gives you a good option to fish still. And they'll be there. They'll be there. They'll eat. They'll eat when it's that cool. Sure. They do. Yep. Done it before. Now, last one you touched was in January. It is. Yes. So they eat all winter long. They have to. There's mm-hmm. no. They're not going to not eat. No fish is not going to not eat. You mm-hmm. just have to find the opportunity to time and fish them a little differently. Know how to read gauges. So you drive to the right piece of water, because that time of the year and that in the winter, it's it's all reading the gauge and knowing which piece of water to go to. So, nowhere areas to hit, because tend to that time of the year, they're usually just gonna hunker up, hang out, and stay in one spot, and they're gonna be there for a while, waiting them out, grinding them, grinding them, grinding them. You know, that's why Scott does so well through the winter. Sits and hangs on a lot of them fish and grinds on them. Oh sure. Gets them to go. Yeah, yeah, he'll, yeah, he he definitely seems like you've talked about him a lot, and not many people would go all day and musky fish and then still have the one to go catch a couple steelhead as well. You know, dude obviously got a hell of a motor and loves the sport and loves being out there, so. Fishing gets pretty, uh, pretty fun when you got muskies and steelhead to catch all freaking day. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, absolutely. Oh, let me just. Catch these muskies and then I'll get lunch and uh, put yeah. it on my put it it's on my Instagram live and catch nice a couple though. steelheads. Spend half a day on the boat. Got it. And got it made. Go stomp up a stream. It's it makes for a nice day. Yeah. No. Don't be an archery hunter, kids. That shit tears you down. It does. Fishing's funner. 
You can catch that big I'd fish. I'd fish for steelhead again it. if I was fishing for him after I caught muskies. <laughs> yeah, you'd be, gonna, I was you'd be going around all chipper and shit. I was like, wondering oh, if you were going to go up there and hang out with your boy. No, you I, wouldn't, Mark. You was, they're still her fucking stupid. That's what I was saying today. <laughs> I, dude, I was, preaching, I was preaching the word of Mark. Fuck these things. I'm never coming up here again, Chad. <laughs> I, I would have rather floated down a muddy-ass shenango yeah, why, why and didn't fucking you, beat my head against the wall. Why didn't I like you how nobody even bothered to invite either. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we, they even invited me. We fucking know better. It's easy, man. <laughs> no. so, I had hey, to tie orders all day, so got caught up on that. Do we have anything else we need to hit on? Not at all. I, I put in a fucking little bit of stuff in my house. Booyah, that's it. Uh, uh, Kitchen's closer to being done? Yes. It's a little knocking little shit out every Saturday when I have a little bit of time. Minnow heads looking sick. Those are looking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some sweet pictures of those with the microphone. They're, uh, they're better than the ones outside with the rock. Cool. <laughs> I like talking to guys about bears. Because it's making me feel maybe a little bit more comfortable for next summer. Oh, no, those are different bears. Those are different bears. Oh, no, them ones where you're going are straight out to kill you. Oh, soon as they, they see, see people, as they, see, they, see little, they see little blonde guys, and they're like, you're dead. Look at the schnoz on this guy. Jay, do you think you like edibles? I'm going to eat him nose first. You think you like edibles, Jay? <laughs> those fucking grizzlies out in Yellowstone, they know you're an edible. They think you're an edible, <laughs> dude. Wait, they don't know. move, Jason. I, you look like a brownie. I, do I have the right area? Uh, they're going to look at, hey, boo-boo. <laughs> I got the picnic basket. Right? You better hope they're like open or season, dude. Or is that Yellowstone? Yeah, is that Yosemite? Yosemite's in California. Yeah. Hey, boo-boo. Wait, wait, is that Yellowstone? He's Jellystone. Yeah, so it was Yellowstone. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the hell up, Jason. <laughs> That's who I want to see out there. Like, They're going to uh, steal your picnic basket, then rip your head off. So I don't, I don't think it's going to... They're going to say boo-boo. boo-boo. I'm going to hit him with bear spray. They're going to like turn it around on me and like spray it on me and like... Choke you out. <laughs> yeah, like, just like eat me with like like it's like some uh, some nice seasoning. You're like a hot stick for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, there's a fat guy over there. Go attack him. And by hot stick, I mean not attractive. The coolest thing is I'm taking my dad out there, and he's, you know, got to live a lot more of his life, so he's he doesn't run as fast as I do. And uh, we sure as hell aren't taking my brother-in-law out there because I, I'd fucking, I don't know, I'd have to punch him, knock him down, kick him in the leg before we started running. But you have to catch him to do that. This would be a very quick, swift movement of doing something and then running. Because your brother-in-law's a swift dude. <laughs> yes, he is. <clears throat> so, tonight's show, brought to us by Predator Fly Gear. Check him out, PredatorFlyGear.com. A-R-X Hooks. Find him at A-R-X-Hooks.com. Urban Fly Company, and if you want any Allsdorf genetic uh, hackles and uh, hairs, check out Mark and uh, get those too. Hairs? Ah, that's what they used to call themselves, but it's probably just all the hackle now. Get all the hairs, hairs. through Mark. Hey, you got that bucktail hairs, mm-hmm. so... He you might have some of, some of them too. left also. Maybe but if uh, you ask nicely, we may have a little bit of bucktail. Yeah, nah. But we got fresh bucktail coming up, so if you want to get on that that grade A or, or get your get your uh, list of what you might need. DM Mark at Urban Fly Company. Yeah, Urban he, Fly could, Co. he could... Uh, at all the social medias. All of hook them. you up right there. But also check out Yeti at allthe-yeti-stuff.com, I'm sure. They're built mm-hmm. for the wild. Yeah, they got some sweet stuff, man. There's, it's endless. It's good, and they got new stuff coming out. So, 
pretty I'd cool. Say everything you get from them, it's just always you use it, and then you're like more impressed after you use it, just how good it is. And if you put your Yeti cup into dog shit while trick or treating, you can rinse it off and still keep drinking the beer that's inside of it. And Jason will, ma- Jason will make a bunch of fart noises and all kinds of stupid, silly <laughs> monikers. Same, same with Sims gear, too. This is the time of the year where that stuff just... Hey! It's awesome to have. And if you're checking out Sims gear, check out the face of Sims, Mark Hieronymus, at JunoFlyFishing.com. Yeah, they got their new uh, G4 lineup out there. And it, as we talked about last week with Rich Farina, one word after word after word. So stuff's the real deal. I'm in the market for a new pair of waders and all this stuff mm-hmm. pretty quick. My feet were wet today, so I will be... Jason, you I don't told have my, no damn luck I already told. I know. I already told my wife. I'm like, new boots, new waders. I'm doing the whole the whole get up. Hell with this shit. Mine are older than yours. Because you oh, bought the same I'm one that I had. The G4 waders, I have them, Sims. Oh, they nice. I don't know. I put, I put a ton... I, I put a Gucci's. Listen. Oh. No, I bought it. Uh, you used to. They're G3 or 4. Did no, they're G4s. Okay. So Dude, sorry. I used... Or I put so the, the many... The previous model before the new one came out. I got them about a year, a little over a year ago. Okay. They're nice. I put so many miles on some Sims boots, dude. Like, the boots, I feel like, you know, everywhere that I didn't bang them off, like the front of the tip, like the uppers and all that. Sh- Just the tip? I have Gucci waders. They're pres- That's probably what you're thinking. Of. Yeah, yeah, no, they're pristine, dude. Like, I've had, you know what I mean, w- one thing, like a, a one of the straps... You know, hooks pop off, but that ain't shit. I use the shit out of them, but they're like a the old school style with all leather. They're not not too much of the others. You know what I mean? The cloth in, but dude, the the sole's almost gone. Like seriously, I gotta put new studs in it and hope that the sole Locked holds a million on. miles in them, huh? Yeah, dude. I it, but the boot is fine. That's what kind of upsets me. Like my boot is fine. I just need a new Vibram sole. I need that. I need, like, if they could give me that and I could just, you know what I mean, screw new studs in, I'd be golden for another thousand. Okay. Now, nah, good stuff. Everything they make's quality. Yep. Absolutely. And also, tell a friend about this podcast. Or send us your questions. Chad will be more than happy to read them off here. Why not fishing, too? Check out the rapid dot. Yeah, if anyone has any questions they want to read off on the show, send them to the SVS Fishing page on Instagram. Or Facebook. There's, Reach out. These guys, uh, they check their messages from time to time. We yeah. try our best. For all you that reach out and get stuff from us, thank you. And you'll probably get a little bit of goodies for doing send so, Send you too. a sticker or something. There's an influx of stickers around, ain't there, sometimes? Uh, stickers Negative and shirts are going to be in I'll, progress. I'll bring my, I'll bring my no, collection stickers, of stickers. But even just, I know yeah, not ours, but just sti- trade stickers, man. Mm-hmm. Stickers through the trade and maybe a, a free dirty fly from one of these guys. Yeah, because Jason and Ty, but we'll definitely be willing to donate to <laughs> no. us. Jason will donate our fly oh, for you. If you want a white jig, I'll tie it up for you. If, he needs, if you need him, he'll call you. No, in fact, just look. I'll pick the one that they offer. I'll pick which one you should get. It might work. Turn the music up, Jesus. Can we go to the Jeopardy music? Static in the air, the 
been so clear Chase our teeth Could and could tear Thanks to electric wire Couple of those. Couple of those. A couple of those.